0: Free Range American Podcast presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Great, we're live. Hey, hey, I'm professional. <laughs> I am super <laughs> I super, <laughs> super excited uh, for this because we've been trying to link up for I don't know, a few months. You're yeah. busy, I'm busy. You're local, so we take advantage of that. We're just like, yeah, we'll get it done next week. Mark Twite, thanks, man. You're welcome. Really Thank you for having me,
1: you guys. I, uh, yeah, when Trevor said, "Hey, we're gonna do it finally," and I was like, "Okay, let's." This is great. I gotta go there. We can't do it at my <laughs> place because I get too comfortable in my place. I just sit back in that chair and start drinking mm. tequila. The big yeah. comfy chair goes shop. nowhere fast those are those are super comfy. yeah they no are, as yeah.
2: opposed to we just got you super jacked up on coffee right exactly. before. Exactly. You
1: yeah. oh you're I used to tequila how about some coffee haven't fed this. you
2: two shots of espresso plus a big pour over so yeah but it's a little bit different
1: appropriate because i did have a rather long drive yesterday and was not, and didn't get home till one forty-five this morning oh wow
0: that's eh.
1: it's okay
0: so I don't know. I, I know a lot about you. Uh, and I think, you know, all of us, we, we know a lot about you, I guess. But one thing I was reading today on in your biography when I yeah. was like, well, how do you describe yourself? And <laughs> it's interesting because I don't know who wrote this, but you define yourself as a climber first. Is that right? Is that still accurate or is it?
1: I, I, I have to say, I mean, it's where I came from. Yeah. So, like, it's to. what made me. Right. And it's, so I can't completely. Um, disassociate myself from that identity like yeah and even though i don't do it and haven't done it for a really long time mm-hmm. um those are the roots and uh i found myself last year uh the tail end speaking up at the banff mountain book and film festival again right which is super weird to go back in that environment after i think the last time i was there was probably 1995 or something last oh, wow. time i gave a presentation there and like to you know cruise back in, start seeing old friends. And we're like, I guess we're all older. (laughs) (laughs) And some of the, and a lot of those guys are, you know, still going climbing and, and it's very, it's very interesting. It's not a topic for me to, that I find interesting to talk about with them. Right. Um, yeah.
3: I remember before you left, you're like, do they know what they're asking of me to get up there? (laughs) Why?
1: What, 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 I mean, just, uh, I, I used to do a lot of multimedia presentations, and yeah. that was like part of the way that I earned my living. And um, did a really cool—I um, mean, I, think I presented up there twice. And, uh, um, but it's like time travel. You know, right. So the last big route that I did in the mountains was in was twenty years ago. Wow! Almost you know June twenty fifth and twenty sixth of two thousand. Um, I still went climbing a little bit after that, mostly teaching. For when I had military jobs, yeah. to do. But for my own, I never really went again after that. And to go back into that headspace was um, quite a trip. Yeah, but, I
0: can imagine it, when you when you you know left or decided that you did you was that an active decision? Where oh you yeah, saying like I'm not going to do this anymore, or like how how did it, that it, how did that it, come to be?
1: It was a, ne- it, like we had been, various climbing partners, um, Barry Blanchard and Scott Backies and then Steve House um, had been progressing towards this ideal of like the single push ascent mm-hmm. of like, man, if you don't carry anything and you don't stop, you can go pretty far. And uh, <laughs> you have no safety net, you're not going to fall. <laughs> True. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it's, it's right. almost always when yep. you you know, you trip on your fucking crampons on some easy terrain. It seems to be how it happens a lot, but, um, wow. uh, and, and so this big thing we did in 2000 in Alaska, I realized that the next step was to take that same ideal to the Himalayas. Right. And so, cause we'd been practicing in the Alps of going for, you know, 24 hours, 36 hours, whatever, nonstop. Um, next thing that Scott and I did in Alaska, that was a, we went forty three hours nonstop on day day two of a, right. of a seventy two hour round trip on uh, a new a new route on Mount Hunter, and then we realized like okay there's a bigger objective here in the Alaska Range and it was this thing that had been climbed once in nineteen eighty six. Um, it's on the south face of McKinley. It was at the time arguably the hardest route there when it first got done, and it took the the team eleven days. Um and didn't and they had a three guys on the face a couple thousand or a thousand feet of fixed rope that they kept moving kind of siege style and then they had a support team of three other guys climb an easier route and meet them on top right. when they finished and help them get down and so from 86 to 2000 a lot of guys had talked about it trying to repeat it but no one It was done by a slovak team and um lot of guys had talked about trying to repeat it and didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. And a month before we got up there in 2000, um, uh, our friends of mine, Kevin and Ben, repeated it in seven days. And we were kind of bummed not to make the second ascent, but it right. didn't matter because our style was, we were just like, okay, we're going to launch and we'll take enough food and fuel for 48 hours and either be done or not. Mm. When that, when it, when it all runs out and it ended up being, by the time we climbed the, face and, um, got down to the, uh, park service camp at 14,000 feet on the normal route. We'd been moving for 63 hours nonstop and all the food was gone. All the water was gone. All the fuel was (laughs) gone by that point. And, and then we were done because our friend Meg, who was a ranger at the time, came out and with spam toasted cheese and spam (laughs) sandwiches and we're like... Fuck! We wanted to be completely independent and go down to our cache at eleven thousand feet, and <laughs> but, could, where we ha- could eat some more freeze dried food, which is yeah. so awesome. Um, but we kindly took her invitation to stop for the night, and and so, but but the next step after that was to do that in the Himalayas. And right. I was like, I don't have I I have too much tying me to the ground. Now Scott was the same, and we both decided, well, fuck it, let's check, let's just do it, and total good. Um, samurai style and right. go out at the peak, and uh, I um, so a couple of years later, then I mean, Steve House went back the next year, um, to the Infinite Spur with Rolando Garibotti, and like I think a 44 hour round trip. And that thing had never been climbed faster than I think nine days at that point, and um, and then uh, that would have been 2001, right? And then some events in the world changed right. the ability to go to the Himalayas for a couple of years. And then eventually Steve went to, went to Pakistan. I think he was one, the first sort of Western team to get back into the mountains after nine eleven. Right. Right. Um, you know, getting, he said it was super weird getting picked up at the airport, in Islamabad in a, you know, totally blacked out van. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then get like, get it and, and real, like get, get out of town quick.
4: Right. Um,
1: and went up to, um, uh, a peak called K seven and climbed a new route uh, by himself on that in a long single push, same mm-hmm. kind of thing, 40 hours or so. And, um, and that was just latitude. I didn't have in my psychology or professional and familial schedule at the time. Like it was just done. Right. So I so I quit. And then the only thing I did was teach for the next few years. And then, um, then that, uh, most of my best student, many of my best sort of students, um, went down on the extortion one seven. Right. Um, that kind of ended that era of right. r- doing really cool trips with guys, you know, to teach whatever we could. Right.
0: Hmm. Well, and as you kind of, I guess, made your transition out and into instructing was Salt Lake city your home like then, or were you still,
1: um, I in mean, the, the, my first introduction was, you know, the first jobs I did for the military, I was li- actually living in Boulder. It started, yeah. um, uh, at the time. And so, um, did a couple of jobs like in Colorado or mm-hmm. other places that were more convenient to right. me. I mean, like, um, and and rollo was one of our instructors and he was living there at the time um also and uh and then i moved out here and i moved i spent two years in salt lake in the mid 90s then ended up in uh in boulder for five years and then came back here in 2001 and been here ever since so 2001 yeah yeah i came here in june of 2001 started a business Got it. Super in debt, you right. know. Before it, we even had a day of business, uh, <laughs> the first day of so-called business was, uh, I think, January third, two thousand two, and um, we start, started that company like half a million dollars in debt. Yeah, to tie these ankle weights on and
3: jump in the deep <laughs> end. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, and, then, and it just killed out. You know, the whole thing killed the out- outdoor industry, and the you know yeah. 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 kept that company alive till two thousand eight, and then. By working a variety of other jobs, like right. I was kind of supporting, like not taking a salary from it and doing either military instruction or other R and D type work outside of that, just trying to keep it alive. And we never got out of debt because of those ankle weights yeah. were rather heavy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when it's it, <clears throat> so, it's funny for the for the guys listening to the show back in the late nineties, and I forget exactly what year it was. What what
1: year did you publish? Um, um Extreme Alpinism was nineteen ninety nine. Ninety nine. And then uh Hill was two thousand and one.
0: Okay. All right. So yeah. two thousand one. Uh so I belonged to the Mountaineers out there and I was living in Ballard at yeah. the time, just in, in the Seattle area. You had done a book signing and I had gone to the book signing and I, you know, I was just one of multiple people there. And it's funny because you know, I had I had both your books. And I knew who you were, and I had a, you, you. You had a refrigerator magnets for the
1: book. For the You're, book, yep. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still got like a stack of like twenty of those. You, you do know, not. Some, I do. Oh actually. my god, yeah. Adam, I, I need still, one. I guarantee I, can, I still have some of those refrigerator magnets. And I thought that was like the one of the best marketing things for.
3: It was great. It's fantastic for, for a book,
1: yeah. Ever, and, and we keep talking about who gives that refrigerator magnet. That's great. Yeah, I, I mean,
0: do you guys do one? We don't, yeah. We don't, we haven't we, done that yet. You know, because That's- I found that there are a lot of refrigerators that magnets don't stick on anymore. Not if it's a sticker. It's stickers, we do stickers. Yeah. But... What if I like, had what if it's a magnet? Sticker? So in the Mountaineers that that night or whenever it was, right? You had a stack of those things, and I scraped probably ten of them off the table because nice. I was, cheap, <laughs> I was cheap, as shit.
1: And well, Evan, they were free. Yeah, so. exactly. It's like I gave away hundred like, books like, and two hundred hey, hey, magnets. I'm just this take happened like ten of these,
0: and I had those, <laughs> This and and I, still do. I I still have l- probably three or four of them kicking around. Nice, oh yeah. You know, I, it, and I followed different things that you were doing uh, because this was like internet. I wasn't like really savvy on the internet, but you know, the internet was new. It was new and the war kicked off. And then I was kind of like, check the fuck out. Like I was, I was gone. Right. So the next time I'd kind of heard your name was through the community and it was like, Oh, Hey, you've got this thing that you're doing. And when somebody was like, oh, it's a, uh, you know, Jim Jones and Mark, this is Mark's gym. I was like, holy shit, he has a gym now in Salt Lake. <laughs> and, but that was like, fast forward by time, I forget how many years that was.
1: Not too long. Like like the first sort of experiment, like so um, the mountain safety gear import company was mm-hmm. in this building over on State Street. right? Um, and we were renting it, uh, office and warehouse um from this guy steve denkers who owned the building he used to make evolution skis it was like mm-hmm. the one of the few custom ski shops you know still alive in the states i guess and um he has massive this huge building that's that's still over now the uh, guys um swanee and adam comey uh they run their mountain msi which the sports sports ocean yeah. business out of there and um and and I said, look, I want to start this kind of gym thing. And he goes, Oh, well here, take this from upstairs. We can't rent it to anybody. Right. Um, because there's no ADA access. I guys, you could just have it. And there was like an old air in there and a squat rack and a lap pull <laughs> machine okay. that he had like Perfect. fucking traded for some skis to somebody. And it was, you know, it was like the it, like all airdynes at the time, you know, probably had some clothes hanging we, on yeah, it or yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. the best clothing rack ever. Right. A nice
3: layer of dust.
1: Yeah. And and this and this building was like so that whole building over there was a bakery at one point. Okay. And so the, and they built it um like they made the bakery inside the, like I think they must have built the building around it because mm-hmm. this original space that we had I go up there on the south wall there's just like the bricks had obviously been like pushed out something taken out of there and then the bricks put back. Broken windows, no insulation. Um, and so that, so that's the, the room that we originally had, it had like this giant, that's where they mixed all the dough to make all the bread and then it would go downstairs to the ovens and, right and then conveyor belts and shit like that. And, and, uh, and so there was a, there was a whole weird stainless steel raised thing. So when the dough spilled out or when they had to wash that machine, it would just, you know, they could go down in that mm-hmm. drain hole. And we thought like, well, a drain hole in the middle of the gym is like about the best thing ever. If you're going (laughs) to like start killing people with workouts that are too hard. (laughs) 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 Um, And, uh, and so that first started like just my, the very first thing was December, 2003. Okay. And then over the course of the next year, um, first I started working with some different climbers like, okay, I want to experiment on you guys. And if, if you'll let me use you as, you know, wind dummies or whatever for, um, then it'll be free. I'll just do it. And, uh, um, and then the website, their initial website, uh, went up in like June of 2005, I think. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. And it was all very, I saw those (laughs) black and white and illegible or experiment videos. I can hear the music in my head right now. Yeah. The pirated music, (laughs) which now I still (laughs)
3: find on YouTube and I'm just like, it's, it's, and it's funny because it's,
0: it's, it's, legendary yeah.
3: it, because like the people that got, that got exposed y- to that right away
0: you're just you and your persona and then meeting you and meeting you a couple times now and your persona two totally different because it's like this was invitation only yeah you know y- you had this reputation of just being a, a fucking asshole like just a fucking <laughs> asshole <laughs> and I mean that in a complimentary way actually, oh yeah because it's, it's like you can't be a you can't just be anybody and walk in here and get a membership you you actually have to to fucking put out
1: yeah and and it's, that- and it's not just to put out it's it, it was also like if you if i feel like you could contribute to the right. experiment then 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 it's it's a it's useful and then and 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 uh Lisa who was my business partner my wife at the time she was really good at like casting people essentially like oh here's uh, you know t- this person fits you know in with this group of people and this person will fit here and can actually contribute this um and i was just you know blinders on kind of doing my thing and she'd be like here mma guy <clears throat> he's got a fight in three weeks fix him uh, okay
2: <laughs> will you say well, a little bit more about that as far as contribute to the experiment and a little bit about your philosophy when it comes to I, I feel to like that? it hasn't
3: changed either Space now. You know, it's, it yeah. seems like it's been refined, but it's the same thing. Like,
1: I mean, I think in the, like in the beginning, I only wanted to train people for like, I, I thought, okay, all the, I learned all of the lessons about fitness from climbing. Right. Sure. Whereas like, okay, that's a card you don't want to play and come up with the fucking two of clubs. Right. right. So, and mm-hmm. it, because it's also totally controllable. That's like the hand I can deal myself that yeah. makes it like maybe gives me a better chance of succeeding, coming back, whatever. And so I thought, well, training for this stuff should matter and how can we do that? I only want to train, you know, first it was climbers and then um, Lisa started studying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and it was at a school and there's a bunch of MMA guys there because back in that day, um, there was, you know, once a month or once every three months, whatever, at Sandy Station, there was – there was fucking fights in the right. bar. You know, they'd like, yeah. okay, no smoking tonight. We'll move the, the stripper poles out or whatever was there <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and roll in the, the, the cage. And so be uh, and Jeremy Horn had just moved here at the time or was coming through and there was a bunch yeah. of, and it was, um, it was a kind of a cool time because I think permission wise, Utah was one of the only states. I think there were two or three states at that time where you could, have mixed martial arts fights or Muay Thai fights or whatever. Um, I think the no elbows in the Muay Thai, but um, uh, that could, it was only one of the states where you could get it permitted and also serve alcohol coincident with the fights. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it weird that Utah is that place? Yeah. Like yeah. how did they yeah, end up on the start of that weird. list? Fuck, no what kidding.
3: What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sure Nevada was. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But diametrically opposed.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you need everybody to, you know, cooperate, cooperate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, and so, uh, Lisa would bring me some guy, or brought me a couple of different people and, and, uh, that I worked with and I thought, oh, this is something where fitness matters. Right. Cause it's the thing you can control and technically like you don't want to get unconscious cause you, you know, didn't look after your fitness. Right. Right. Um, and so I thought okay this is this is cool plus I don't know how to do it like so I've been trained people for like long duration things or or very um short powerful sorts of movements but without a ton of issues with gas or um people trying to sure have their way with you right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it seemed like a thing where okay here's something another thing where fitness matters um and the mili- military context same thing like that was all I wanted to do was stuff where it mattered because if it matters, then you can get people to do stuff that they wouldn't normally do.
0: Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah.
1: like it's, it's almost a captive audience. Okay. So somebody wants to lose some weight, um, for, you know, June high school reunion, like, right. I don't, that's, it doesn't actually matter. So right. people won't work that hard. And, um, and, and so by setting up like all of the early sort of, you know, conditions, um the culture of the gym developed like, okay, this is a place where we do stuff for people, you know, help people, you know, uh, who, who depend on a high level of fitness. Right. Because they'll, they'll do the work. Yeah. Like, because re- they've realized the in-state. Like, okay, you ask any number of these people like, hey, when was the last time, you know, you were doing something where, you know, fitness fell short? Right. And those guys are like, oh, this, 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 and this. And the person off the street, when was the last time? Like- uh, never, uh, ne- like well, I never really thought about, you know, like, right. yeah. okay, if it doesn't matter, then you have to then set up conditions so that it does. And it turns out like people's brains, they can't really differentiate between financial stress or social stress. And so we would set up things, you know, little competitions or the don't look bad in front of your peers thing. And right. it's something that Glassman taught me in the beginning. He's just like, men will die for points. Right. And, um, and 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 not to look bad in front of their friends, so it set up all these scenarios where like okay we it, this this has to matter in order for the output to matter because it taught- you know in the mountains i, I realized like, man, when you're up against it, there's always more left right. in the tank or a few more horsepower or whatever, and I just wanted to replicate that in a gym somewhere it was those kind of conditions sure. and yeah. um And eventually it gets to a point where, you know, like I did the first movie job, which was the 300 movie. And people were like, oh, that must be so nice. Working hot, you know, standing there like with your clipboard and your stopwatch Mm -hmm. and getting people to do shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, no, it's like 35 dudes. And this is how they have to look on the day. And this is how much money's riding on this. It's a small budget. That one was sixty million dollar budget for that movie. Right. Yeah, small, small. Yeah, and and so it and so it really matters because yeah. cameras are beginning to be rolling on this day, and and right. and so everybody has to look a certain way. And <laughs> yeah. um, every day that they push past
3: that date, you're oh it's exponentially just, growing the budget. Like I mean, I've I've seen it. Yeah, working it working in stunts. It's like okay, well one more day is going to cost us a million dollars. Right. Like, yeah. hey, excuse me. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then the next day is two. Like, holy shit, this yeah. really does have to happen today. Yeah,
1: and, and the and the end, the end result is just like okay, there's, you know, I I feel. I mean, there was a point where I do a Hollywood job, and then I'm just like, okay, I got to do ten, you know, military and intelligence community jobs, uh, in order to balance my karma <laughs> scale. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what that, so true. What that looks like, um, but in but the, but the end result is that yeah, it, you don't um missing a de- you know the hollywood deadline or whatever or you know either time wise or appearance wise or capability wise right. yeah nobody gets dead but mm. um it costs a lot and you might never work again if you like if you have a history of you might get a second chance if you fuck up one of those jobs right um and it, and then if you fuck that one up for sure you're, you're not coming back right uh and then and happily i was you know good enough well, know, pretty much on all of those, I guess.
0: Well, it's interesting because in the community, when you, when you started, started this, it was even very exclusive inside the military community. It was more exclusive, you know? So I was a, you know, this SF guy, and I was working at the agency, and you know, guys were going out and doing this. And I would kept on trying to get on these trips to go out <laughs> there. It's like, I wanna go. hey, man, how do I get on one of those? <laughs> it's like, hey, well, does you have a gym? Can I just like cruise by there if I'm in Salt Lake? No. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, (laughs) so infuriating. (laughs) It's like fight cup, but for real, (laughs) damn it. I know, it was such such (laughs) bullshit. I was like, this is such bullshit. And my buddy V Diamond, he owned uh, SLC CrossFit and he started that here and he's a former team guy. Okay. It's like- man, can you, can you broker a fucking deal over there? He's like, no, I can't even broker a deal over there, dude. I'm like, this is such bullshit. I was like pursuing this for a while. And then finally I was like, you opened up a membership or something like that yeah. in, the, in the online, on the, o- online space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I'd been following the blog cause you had an open blog for a while yep. and you're, you'd yep, post a the, lot of content sermons. on there. So it was, I was always reading that stuff.
1: We tried a forum for a while yeah. too, but that was a little bit like and, I, and again, aggressive. The, it, I, I don't know. It, it's the only other forums I would really go on. Or the only other one was Brian Enos, and yeah. he had like a ton of super moderators, and anything went wrong on that forum and they would just step on it super hard. Right. I never saw that in the background. I thought just thought people are on the internet, they're having yeah. really nice conversations here and people are learning stuff and no yeah. one's, yeah. you know, talk, telling somebody his dick is short or, you know, right. whatever ridiculous things come up. I just as- kind of assumed that's how it would be. And then, you know, rude awakening by, you know, the CrossFit forum in the yeah. beginning. And then when we try to do ours, they're like, we're going to police this, police this. And then after a while, people are just um, horrible when they're not going to no have to look. Yeah, right. when yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so. If there's a
3: repercussion for yeah. something stupid that you're going to say, like a real repercussion. Right. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is like, oh, I can't go on the internet for a day. Like, mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit.
1: Yeah. Or I have to come up with a new username so yeah, I can go I- back and do the same thing. <laughs> Um, so eventually that became kind of a, like a one way broadcast because right. you know, yes, I would answer questions if people sent and, you know, uh, an, an email to the public address. Um, but like letting people, you know, paying for the bandwidth mm-hmm. to let people be shitty to each other. Right. Is stupid. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but those, the, the, uh, yeah, the, 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 the sermon pieces i mean i would yeah. try to write all i just i can't help but write so right. just have to get it out to get <laughs> rid of it you know once yeah. it's out i'm like what do i do with it I don't know if i could post it somewhere <laughs> and it and it's
0: so funny because i remember i logged in to do the first like the first jim jones workout that i had that i you know got right and i was i was like Cussing you so fucking much because it was like a 75-mile bike ride or some shit on this and I'm in Basra in a stationary bike. It's like 138 degrees with no AC in there. Uh, and I'm like, all right, well, fuck it. Okay, I guess I'll be on the bike for like four <laughs> I hours. I was just yeah. saying yeah. And, and
3: talk about them. Like <laughs> there was a there was a really solid mixture of workouts on there that were yeah. like like sun up up. Yes, I know. Like, is this fucking real? Did I read this right? Did they miss? Did they miss putting like a decimal place in here somewhere? No, no, it's it's how it's supposed to be. You know, that's how it is. Today just sucks. (laughs) You just today is
0: gonna suck. So I'd have to like frame that workout and go. And I was like, I remember I was like digging deep on this workout. I don't know how long it was taking me, and like. Fucking 130 degree weather. Jeez. And I'm like, oh my God, Mark, you fucking. Well, like, you can, we can scale yeah. for
1: environmental conditions if you're, you know, if you're, <laughs> you know, if you can't you know, it hit the began, standard or whatever. Right, I, got yeah. the, I mean, you yeah. don't, there was only 109 be, here right. when I did, you know, or something you like have to be a member. It's yeah. fine. Don't you don't think, have to
2: do it. I don't think Evan knew what scaling was at that point. <laughs> but we <laughs> were I mean, do any of us
3: really? <laughs>
0: no, I, I mean, no. In the, <laughs> uh, no.
1: Yeah. It's like, if somebody did it and look at that dude, he's all, I mean, but I got to say like for a lot of that early on, um, it was really important for me to lead from the front. Right. And do all these things. So on that, you know, people would ask you like, so what's it like when you do a Hollywood job or whatever? You know, like show up and you train people for four hours. And I'm like, okay, the original 300 job. I thought I could do it by myself. Turns out I couldn't. I had an assistant um, like who drove all the gym stuff up from Salt Lake to Montreal where it was, um, where the whole thing was filmed and we had our gym space and stuff. And uh, once I realized like, oh, it's actually not possible to like manage this. Um, so he, Logan st- stuck around, um, with me and, uh, but I was in the gym 12 hours, legit 12 hours a day, five days a week. And every, every, you know, we would do an hour and a half class or whatever, and then I'd get a little 15 to 30 minute break and another class. And so we'd be like running between five and seven guys through of these 35 day started with Zach and his team, um, who was the director. So, every time, you know, stunt crew or actors came in, they'd see what Zach did on the whiteboard, and they're just like, okay, that's the one who's really leading Got from the it. front. Yeah. And so, then I would have to get in and, like, instill this sort of level of competitive flavoring so that the intensity was high enough to, that we could restrict the amount of volume. And uh, so, my weekends were pretty much, like, I don't move from my bed in the fucking hotel. Right. Because Monday's coming yeah. early. And a lot of times, you know, on a on a job where you have um you can only shoot for a certain number of hours and then there's a turnaround time, especially for the act you know, stunt crew less uh so but for actors it's like yeah. okay, if they rap at this time they can't come back in here till, you know, for they have to have fifteen hours or right. whatever it is. And before they can they only come. do so many days in a row and then they have to have a break
3: or you're paying them extra, extra, extra. Gotcha. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah,
1: and so we started like, all right, call time is like six o'clock on uh, uh, Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And so then, uh, and it's, you're supposed to be done at six. So let's just say you only went over by two hours that day. So now call can't be till eight the next day. And then it goes two hours over. So then it's 10 o'clock the next day. And so pretty soon it's fucking Friday right. where you're coming in, Friday afternoon at four o'clock, finishing at four a.m. on Saturday, and the weekend is just gone um, because the the timeline keeps getting pushed and uh and I was just getting I mean I'm probably you know the some of the mileage that I have on my body today is from those early movie jobs of just yeah. being in there you know just horrific elbow tendinitis you know shoulder issues and stuff because too much. You know, because I'm working out like five fucking times right. a day, and, and you know, not being that smart, thinking I was invincible.
2: How which, how much time did you have between that fitness
1: regimen and when they started filming? So, um, on, on that particular job, I I, I started going out to L. A. to work with um, Gerard Butler, and I'd go out for uh, three days a week. I'd fly, you know, um, from here, go spend three days a week with him come back here and then other, and then we had a, I think a full three week workup with, um, any actors that were local to LA. So Mm -hmm. Gerard and, and maybe a couple other guys and the whole, the core stunt team, um, to get them all tuned up. And then we all, uh, so let's say I started with Butler in August ish. Um, but we all met everybody assembled, um, in Montreal to start that job. And from, uh, in like mid-September and I basically had about seven weeks before filming started with anybody else who turned up at that time, who was either Canadian or came from like Vincent Regan and Tom, Tom came from, came from England. Um, David Wenham was from Australia. And so all those guys showed up like with no, you know, and then I'm just sitting, I remember sitting in this office one day doing the intake take interviews and, cause you see like, okay, this guy's gotta be a Spartan. Like how, yeah. Yeah. You got a long, <laughs> yeah. And some of them would be like having to come up from like <laughs> super skinny dude yeah. to try and put, you know, a little bit of size on. Obviously you're not going to make anybody right. Arnold in that amount of time or not my objective anyway. But, um, but Vincent Regan was one of the dudes that, uh, um, who, uh, who played the captain in that movie. And he showed up and I was just like, I went to Zach and I said, dude, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do, but (laughs) man, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And Vincent went just—he fucking went all in, total method, uh, and lost you know forty pounds and that period of time.
3: Whoa! And forty pounds. Something like yeah, and and
1: and 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 just kept going, and he like he could barely lift his body weight. You know, in a deadlift and then ended up with a double body weight deadlift and, you know, something like, I think I watched him pull 305 one day wow. uh, with a blindfold on, which is an interesting thing we throw on people sometimes or doing Turkish get-ups with a blindfold on just to right. get rid of any visual reference things. Yeah. And then we had some incredible guys, local guys uh, on the stunt team that came from gymnastics or Cirque du Soleil background. Right. and. And I got to learn a thing or two from them. But so it was uh, sort of eight weeks and then have to try and hold guys in that condition. And that job, unfortunately, um, included a Christmas break. Right. Oh.
3: Because
1: it's sort of like mandatory. So like get all these guys in super good shape. We've done six weeks of filming and then everybody gets two weeks off. Yeah. You're like, please Ugh. God, don't eat all the cake. So did
3: you,
0: did you have input on not only their, their programming, but their diet as well? Oh or yeah. Were you
1: controlling their, all of it?
2: Everything.
1: Everything. Cause oh, it, yeah. cause like if you can't, if you do, if for, on a job like that, if I can't control the, 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 the food part, then, right. then the rest of it doesn't matter, you know, almost exclusively. Yeah. And so we had it for the, for the um, stunt team and the actors, we had a fully separate kitchen than normal catering. And, um and, at that time I was using the a zone system. We had a three week yeah. rotating menu and I just go in, design the, design the blocks and, and, uh, that everybody needed. And so before filming started in the prep period, we were at a soundstage where we had like three kitchen trucks outside and this guy, Luke, whose business I can't remember the name of, but, um, it was, he and I would interface all the time and he'd tell his people, you know, like... And so when the, the team would come, they'd just show up at 8 o'clock in the morning, the start the day, they'd get breakfast and then we'd break, everybody would get us, you know, a snack at, you know, their breakfast to be like... Me. You know, because I was just trying to like strip away as much fat from from people. Right. And some of these guys were doing a, a pretty incredible amount of work on um on very few calories. But we also had... Uh, and so they get, they'd get the breakfast, they'd get a snack, we'd do lunch, an afternoon snack, and then they'd get a takeaway dinner if they wanted. Right. And, and, uh, if they did that, they could save their per diem. So all the stunt guys were on that kind of program. Got it. Um, and then we had, uh, uh, also a, a chiropractor, masseuse and every, and, and, and physiotherapist also located in that, in, in that facility. The masseuse was there all the time. Um, the chiropractor and the physio would come twice a week. Right. And uh that guy was like the uh let's see, Montreal Canadian. So he was the, the the team doctor for the the Canadians hockey team. Right. Um and uh so as much as we could control we do because like you control the environment, you control yeah. the output, right? And and if you the more we can uh have those resources under our thumb, uh the better. And then once we started filming and moved to the sounds, the the sound stage where everybody was, there were still two separate kitchens. They were just in the same fucking room.
3: Which there has to be because crafty on set is just crap food.
1: Yeah. And then I would always go sit um, whenever lunch happened. Um, you know, the Spartan sort of kitchen is over here. And they could go sit. Once they got their food, they could go sit wherever they wanted. Right. And I would go sit over by the, the, the normal crew dessert table and just fucking glare at people all the time. Because <laughs> 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 like, <was> <laughs> some, somebody Please. would go like they might, you know, uh, sneak some cake, sneak some cake or something. They'd, I'd, I'd be like eating or reading or doing something, and I'd, I, I sense a red cape or some <laughs> shit <I'd> coming <laughs> close. and I'd look up and be like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it was that was probably dietary wise and with a, with a team that big, because there were full on. T- I mean, 30 full-time sort of Spartan and actors and then an additional 10 or so that – or 10 or 12 that kind of came later and fell into the same program um, who were there for less time. But it was – but dietary-wise, that was one that was super fun for me just because uh, I had really good resources to make the food. Right. And, you know, kind of carte blanche, it's just like, hey, anybody's not doing their thing, tell me and we'll, you know, we'll threaten them in some way.
0: Well, that's and, that's interesting because you got to see design and implement diet for thirty people and their and their programming. Yeah. So if you're using the zone at that time and you're designing their blocks, like, explain to me kind of the the the, the your evolution and nutrition then from working with all these athletes. If you're you, you're I'm assuming that you're not using zone anymore or using aspects of it or not, not, not at all.
1: Um, I mean, not anymore, but that period, I mean, that was in the, in the sort of CrossFit community that I was involved with at the time. Right. Um, you know, the zone was Sears was involved, you know, uh, Oh, was Sears involved in CrossFit? Yeah, in did not know beginning, that? I think you know, I'm I'm fairly certain he and Glassman had this uh, had a you know a a relationship. Got it. Um, and I had I'm, and I had been an early adopter of the Zone in right. '95 when like that book first came out. Yeah. Um, and and it worked like a. Like if you want to shed weight and you respect the, 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 the blocks and mm-hmm. you're, in, you're for sure ending up on a calorie-restricted diet right? Um, if, you're, if you're doing an absolute 40-30-30 mm-hmm. thing. And um, so when I started, I mean, I dropped probably 12 pounds really quickly because I had – Yeah, I'm sure you had 12 pounds to lose.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I> was, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: it was not a good look, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> but man, um, could I move fast? Uh, and, and I ended up on a conversation with uh, with Sears at the time and just saying, like, I, I go out in cold weather all the time. I'm always cold. Right. And, this, and he's just like, oh, well, I, I recommend that, you know, you increase the fat blocks. And I'm like, well, that would be more than, a, you know, Forty. So I went on the forty, thirty, two hundred diet. It was basically <laughs> like two hundred percent of the normal recommended amount of fat. Right. And so as long as the 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 protein to carb ratio worked, then I could I could inject as many calories in fat, not gain weight, and go really long. And it and right. it ended up being something that that fueled a lot of what we did in the mountains, um, which uh uh was like this high fat content sort of driven stuff. And then carbohydrates to, to, to um, in gel form or whatever to, to deal with right. the intensity part of it if we needed to. And, um uh, but once I knew my way around the blocks, it was super easy to mm-hmm. tell the chef who's preparing everybody's meals. um, Like, here's the, the restrictions here's the left and right limits for what these each individual needs right um and 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 i don't know how i could have done it otherwise with that many people got it um and and uh you know as people saw i mean we weren't you know also i'm just like okay i need to strip away any fat so these guys if they're you know doing this much work especially guys who are you know doing fight training all day Plus their workout. Right. It's a huge amount of activity. Yeah. And some of those guys were, you know, eating 1500, 1800 calories a day. So of course they're just going to be just like shredded as fuck by the end of it. Um, and it's not, and you know, it's just like, okay, this isn't sustainable, but it's for a particular task and everybody's on board. Nobody wants to be the fucking Spartan with a muffin top. Yeah. It's imagery, like fitness. Yeah. Like you you want an image. But well there but also there's a capability part to it, and yeah. and that's a a thing that a lot of people maybe don't understand about the film business is like um you the the more physically capable we can make the actors be, the less they need to be doubled mm. right yeah. and 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 depending on the quality of the double, everybody like you can sense it as a viewer, you know something's wrong, mm. but you may not be able to say, "Oh, that's not." That guy, that's not that guy, and it happened on a couple of of later jobs where and
3: doubling's expensive.
1: Um, it's less expensive than CGI. hmm. So, like, that's that's you know a a later job where we missed the mark for a variety of reasons with a couple of people. It's just like, (laughs) all right, well, you know, we're not going to get there with the actor, so we'll train the shit out of his double. Got it. And then they'll do and and. You know, the the producers knew what was happening. They could right. see this actor's behavior, and so it's so, just a lack of discipline on the
0: actor's part. Is oh, that yeah. like they just wouldn't adopt the, the and self delusion? Got
1: it. You know, like he looked in the mirror and somehow he saw, you know, they, Michael right. Fassbender looking back at him, which was <laughs> not true. You know, like <laughs> sorry, buddy. Yeah, far from it. I would. um and so we missed, but then, uh, this guy's, uh, stunt double, Adam was totally on board. Right. And so in that movie, there's a bunch of head replacement, but you know, it like when it happens on screen, you can sense it. And, and so Zach's thing in the beginning was like, train the shit out of these guys on the original 300 right. to make them as capable as possible, because we'll have Chad and Damon doing all this, the fight training stuff to get them to be able to do as many of their own combat stunts mm-hmm. as, as, as possible. Um, and therefore, like in the Crazy Horse Charge or whatever, um, Butler is is doubled uh, – he had a, guy, a stunt double named Tim Connolly who's a t- total badass. And uh, um, they ended up not having to double him that much because they just trained him and trained him mm. and trained him. Like, okay, you're rehearsing this, you know, in isolation, these different blocks of this thing and then starting to put it together and pretty soon, you know re- – Practicing that whole charge five or six times a fucking day with the 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 shield, the spears, the the the, the, the spear, and the, and then the sword at the end, and that um, like so he got uh, Butler got really capable in that, and didn't end up mean not having to be doubled that much. Other scenes, yes, um, but uh, like the more capable we make him, the better mm. everything looks, and the less it ultimately costs. Because like training people and controlling their diet is super cheap compared to as like you know doubling and cgi
0: well and so if you've worked you've worked with all these different types of people from you know climbers to special operations guys to actors and so kind of can you explain to me your process in in programming and nutrition now like how it's evolved and you know I know I'm super interested in it and the fact that you you're still out there doing a ton of different things, it seems like, as far as like your cycling. You've had you still have the gym. You've got all these different things. You've learned a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I've you, learned how much I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you've learned I mean, way more can. than me. <laughs> and probably ninety-nine
0: point nine percent of anybody out there
1: through oh, like, the process. Maybe about fitness stuff, but walk doing a walkthrough here today. Uh, like being in the lab, it's like, oh, this is. Well, that's
0: just coffee th- nerd shit.
1: I, I, okay. <laughs> here, it's just fitness nerd shit. Also, <laughs> like it's like it, it's because a lot of this stuff is universal in a right. way. And um, so with the, with the just the, the dietary stuff, it's, I mean, I always had this idea like you, I mean, you is, uh, I mean, find the problem, fix the problem, which I think right. my old, it's just uh, that simple. Jim trademarked, I think maybe now, but, um, uh, I mean it's it's simple. It's like, "Oh, you're like, too fat." Okay, I know is. how to I know how to do like right. I can Okay, you're too you know, you're too skinny. You uh you don't have an athletic bone in your body, you know, like the if these are the problems, the solutions are there mm. and, and and people tend to overcomplicate stuff, you right. know, like I need the secret program. I'm like, "Fucking go for a walk, man." Right. Like <laughs> like, like yeah. start there and when you can jog a little bit, then maybe, you know, you don't need like the fucking super top secret red envelope thing is right. it uh, um and th- so the main I mean, I mean the stuff that uh it, it's a completely different problem where say for man of steel you know um henry cavill who played superman in that movie you know he came and he was light right you know he had just come off a job where i mean he's six one and he had done this job call, uh, for a movie called Immortals and had gotten, to, they were just doing calisthenics and not in, you know, eating fucking dirt, I think. Um, and uh, they didn't have like a trainer on that job. The guy who was the stunt coordinator was running the guys through this fitness stuff. And um, he got down, he was like, weighed 170 pounds on that. Wow. I mean, if you look at him in that movie, he is lean and small. He did a movie called Cold Lighted Day right after that, where he was on a pier and pizza diet. Right. And so, like, taking super lean 170 and then like strapping a rocket to the pendulum and sending him the other direction where it's like, you need to look like an out of shape, accidental, you know, uh, spy hero, whatever right. dude. And, and he rolled up, uh, on the man of steel job and we're like, fuck. Okay. So we need to put size on, but it's gotta be good size. And we got to hold him, and, and certain jobs will, will be, be different. If I've got a guy who is, you know, maybe got one or two shirtless days or something like that, that's super easy because the condition doesn't have to be stable. Got it. Like, we can get there really quick. Right. Andrew Plevin on the 300 sequel, um, we took 30 pounds off him in five weeks. Uh, using intermittent fasting right. essentially and, and legit training, uh, three hours a day, an hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the evening and, uh, or sometimes t- like two hours and one hour, but legit actual physical activity on around between 11 and 1400 calories a day, um, eaten in this very specific window and fasting. And we were doing nineteen five with him. So he'd fast for 19 hours, wake up, have a, you know, drink a black coffee or whatever, come to the gym. We'd train, and then his feeding window opened immediately after that. And so, right. like, eat all your food as fast as you can so that, um, you know, when you come back later for your second workout, um, it'll be digested. Got it. So that—but so that, he was only on on camera. I think he had three filming days. So it didn't matter what happened afterwards. Right. Right. But Henry on that initial man of steel job, it was a 122 day shoot. So we had to keep him, whatever condition he was in on uh, August 1st, first day of filming, he had to be in the end of January. Like we have to change your lifestyle. Yeah. And make you look like it. And you have to live it throughout this whole, whole time. Because there's no like, you can't go away at Christmas and do whatever the fuck you want, and come back and think you have time to get into condition. Right? No, they, those cameras are rolling. You come back on Sunday, man. Monday morning, you know, cameras are rolling, so you gotta l- still look this way. And, um, and that was that's really hard on someone to be that strict for that long, especially somebody probably like an like an
3: actor that that's not their lifestyle. Like, I mean, that's easy for us to kind of even if we fall backwards. I'm sure. Like oh well uh, I remember what discipline is like I know how to do this like I can just like change my lifestyle and I understand the end state but somebody who's like
1: just been an actor probably just goes Why yeah the I, fuck I, am I doing this but there's a there's a funny thing about that because you do because it's it's easy to say oh I've just been an actor or whatever right. like Henry was relatively unknown at the time so he was willing to do whatever do it took yeah. right right um, I also had Russell Crowe on that job and he needed to lose around forty pounds right. He's been doing it for a long time, you know, you know, he's been an actor for a long time. He's been, and he's a, you know, he's a stubborn, stubborn man. Right. <laughs> and so, but I am too. And so we had a c- contest <laughs> like <just> Like two <laughs> mules a, a, and a, just
0: like beating each other up. Yes. Like, uh, a like no, seeing whose h- head tug-o-war. is harder. It was like <laughs> smash our heads yeah. against <laughs> each other and
1: see whose is harder. And I think we, I think it was a draw in the end um, right. and, and I kind of missed the target with him on that, but he'd just come off a, you know, really bad p- patch in his life. He, you know, was 40 pounds overweight. Right. And um, I needed to get him to lose that 40 pounds by mid October when I got him, you know, I think we, I think he was shooting like t- tail end of October or something like that. Um, and it actually happened. We actually hit that mark, but later in the, Year, November. <laughs> um it, because it just older guy couldn't handle the intensity, so we had to substitute volume for intensity. Right. So it's a lot of days out on the bike. You know, we're riding our bike six hours today. Got we're it. you know, riding our bike six hours and then we're gonna do some stuff in the gym, right. kind of thing. So each of these jobs, you know, it's a it's a different problem and so a different dietary thing and a different workout thing. Um like for him, he was totally stoked when we first met. He said, you rode your bike into the gym and I, you pulled your helmet off. You have gray hair. And I was like, fuck, thank God. Because yeah. at least he'll be someone, he won't be like young guy, you know, right. here who doesn't, you know, get them, doesn't understand the mileage on R- Russell's body after, you know, getting wrecked doing stunts. Right. Playing rugby, you know, et cetera. Getting yeah. fights and shit, um, you know, in, in his life. So. Uh, th- there's always working around that stuff or, you know, um, and then the flip side is it's also good. You got to give people work that they look, that they enjoy doing. Right. Cause yeah. it can't just be miserable the whole Le- time.
3: Like maybe he doesn't like running at all. You're not going to just put him out on the track.
1: Oh, fuck no. Cause he
3: won't do the work.
1: Well, no, he wouldn't. And 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 then uh, then he would be broken also. Yeah. Right. yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> so like a, yeah. a bike is good or, Hey, let's go warm up and, you know, go up and he'll, T- you know, we'll do a little sort of rugby-type thing during the warm-up because there's a grass field outside the warehouse gym or whatever. Right. Um, so, he d- digs that. He loved riding his bike. You know, it's like, all right, well, that's what it's going to be. Got it. We got to do some other stuff, but we're, we're not fucking doing box jumps, man. <laughs> right. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the other people who are going to take care of that. And, yeah. uh, um, and then, or somebody like uh, Jason for the Justice League movie and then later Aquaman. I mean, he's super into rock climbing. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the way to manipulate the, you know, the Guinness consumption is like, (laughs) hey, you cut back on the Guinness and, you know, we'll do, we'll do some, you know, I'll give you a weekend or, you know, weekend in Fontainebleau or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you can go over there, meet your family or go over there with some of the other dudes, go rock climbing for a couple of days, come back. And so it's, it's, it's really, um, I I misuse the words you know, that I'm a sociopath when it comes to that. Right. Um, but I am a, pr- got to be a pretty good manipulator in the end. Sure. Sure. And with
2: Henry and Superman and and then Batman versus Superman, just as, yeah, what a tall, cool task you had to do. Like you had to build Superman. Like one of right? the most iconic characters <laughs> yeah. ever. And you got to build him. I had no idea he was so thin before. Like he is huge in those movies. So,
1: The camera adds 10 pounds, (laughs) Um, but you want those to be good pounds, right? Right. Anyway, so like uh, on, uh, on, on the man of steel, we were, you know, Michael, my assistant, um, uh, and he and I, um, have the nonprofit project together now. Um, so he was my assistant on that and we, and our goal was like, we got to get him to 200 pounds. And there was one day he came into the gym and it was like, you know, how do you hundred and ninety-nine point two pounds or something? And I was just like, dude, go go drink a gallon of yeah. water. you know, a liter of a <laughs> liter <laughs> of eat water. A burrito. We'll do it. Come back here stand on scale. So we at least get a picture. But that was the only way we got him to, you know, to close to two hundred on that. And it was, I mean, and people were like, Well, what was he eating? What was his diet? And I'm like, all everything. everything. I mean his post workout shake would be, you know, fucking yogurt, heavy cream, protein powder, right. fruit, coconut milk. Like his post workout shakes were legit fourteen hundred calories. Whoa. And and uh and and then a you know, then a ton of other calories because yeah, yeah. you gotta fuel it not only for for the recovery, but for the body to remodel right. know, in an appropriate way. Also that means that he needs to rest a fair amount so he can't be and uh, you, know, you know, can't just be like beating him down all the time. Cause here's someone we're trying to build up rather than strip down. And, um, uh, and then on, on Batman versus Superman. So for that movie, I was one-on-one with Gaul the whole time. So, you know, I started off like three and a half months in Tel Aviv with her living across, you know, in the little hotel her husband owned across the street from their house and trying to put weight on her. And then Michael was with uh, Henry and Henry just was like had this idea, look, I just want to get fucking huge. <laughs> and he did, but to the but but in a way that didn't um match aesthetically the first movie. Right. Like the first one, and, and when you say it's so cool to do that, and like that job, fucking terrifying it. Like <laughs> yeah. can I get like Maybe Daredevil or some yeah. you know guy whose sort of who's normal. physique doesn't really matter as much because <laughs> that'd I, be way sp- easier. Spider Man? Because he's like a kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool, he's done. <laughs> cool. You've got a, a adolescent boy frame. I'm yeah. done here. Yeah, I'm <laughs> done. Exactly. Yeah, you showed up with it. Now. I'll
1: just get paid and you just do nothing. And we'll just you hang just out. take
0: different hard routes now. You're still like climbing <laughs> fucking nasty shit. It's just different, right? It's, it's I
1: mean some of those some of those jobs of pressure is like pretty, pretty fucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, you know, and yeah, at a certain point, like I would, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm well compensated for that work, but it's also, um, you know, I was, I was meant on that, on that Batman versus Superman, I was meant to be with Gaul for like two weeks in Tel Aviv. And then I get over there and sort of tail into the the two weeks and we're kind of ready to, like, we're supposed to fly to Detroit. It's fucking mid-January at that point. Right. And um, where Michael and Henry are, they're stuck. Something happens and they have to push the movie by three months, which was great for me because Gall would not have made it otherwise. Right. Um, to, and, uh, um, but that just meant, like, hey, you're staying there. I'm like, and and I would set up these jobs where I'm just like, go to Zach and the producers and say, "All right, who's the person? Right. What condition are they in? What do they need to look like? What's the deadline? Give me all the resources that I need, and leave me the fuck alone because I always deliver." Right. But <laughs> being uh, out there, I, and I say, you know, in that foxhole by myself for those three and a half months on what turned out to be probably the I mean, at the time, the job that was the hardest that stressed me out more than any other job, um, because it's like, okay, now I have to learn how to manipulate, you know, female psychology, right? In a in a you know, um, in a girl who's, I mean, lovely, lovely, wonderful girl, but who has been rewarded for her thinness whose social circle is also other models, you know, around. And and so they're reinforcing their, each other's sort of, you know, not eating program and, um, and to get it and to try and convince her to put on weight, which is completely different like than just going to some dude and making him train with his shirt off in front of other people cuz he's fat. <laughs> I mean, cuz that's like okay, fear and shame, fine. Right. Everybody like on the original 300 movie. Works perfect. We started like nobody trains in this gym with their shirt on. Sorry. Sorry. And everybody, you know, Monday morning, you had a heavy weekend. Yeah, we see it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, you're a little bit soft. Have in, those beer uh, stains. Logan <laughs> said that yesterday. He's like, nothing
0: <laughs> motivates me more than just filming myself when I'm sparring. Because he, whatever you said, he's like, yeah, yeah. Just, just have to start so doing you get that.
2: So, you know, at least me, I'm just hypercritical of myself when I got to take that third person look at what I'm doing and, yep. and learn from that and add a little bit of discipline to your regiment. So... It's super useful for me.
1: I, I I think so too. I mean, and and but then with uh, on that job with, I mean I was one on one with her, and so I couldn't really you know put her in it right that kind of situation. And um that that was a really hard job. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a I'm shitty bad. place but,
0: either way. Like Tel Aviv, just horrible. Shit. Like I've. I spent a lot of time in Tel Aviv. Okay. Like, running on the beach down there. Yep. And, like, <laughs> man, that place is incredible, man. Like, Israel blew my mind how cool that place was. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'd been, like, in, uh, in 1990, I was down in a lot on the Red Sea yeah. for 10 days working yeah. on this movie, uh, French action movie, and we were f- there filming Sky Surfing, and that was... Uh, I mean, it's just super hot. I mean, June. Like, we went out to the Negev, and it was like, you know, whatever, 45 degrees Celsius. Right. <laughs> like, oh, Cook is, eggs on the ground. Fuck me. Do not take your shoes off. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, it, and, uh, and then when I went, and so that was my experience, but being, you know, I lived a couple blocks from the beach when I was there for those three and a half months. and right. um. Made it my mission to find the best hummus that I could. Oh yeah, uh, I'd go to them, you know down to the Carmel Market. All this, like yeah. like I and, and and I used to go everywhere with a road bike and you know, like mm-hmm. a like a, a road bike with couplers in the frame, so I could take my bike anywhere. Yeah, and I right. I did one road ride there. I think realized I'm gonna fucking get killed. Yeah,
0: you're gonna you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. And we're, the
1: only group rides I would ever see there was somebody you know with a truck behind yeah. them. Roads like that blocking. were designed. Yeah. yeah.
3: You know, two thousand years ago, for horse-drawn carts, and now they have vehicles on them. Yeah, not road
1: bike. And no one's like expecting to see a cyclist,
3: dude. I I thought that in Beirut when I was out running, I'm like, I'm gonna get hit and killed. Like, this is not conducive to foot or bike traffic at all.
0: No, especially not. Like, Tel Aviv is like so that you know the streets are small. People drive like. Fucking maniacs! Sidewalks are like, then you got like a random motorcycle like flying through there, like sixty miles an hour with some chick with an Uzi on her back, which is super (laughs) hot by the way. (laughs) (laughs) No problems there.
1: (laughs) So one day I'm sitting, you know, on the little deck in front of my room or whatever at this hotel, and I'm like, here, start hearing some popping noises, and I'm like, I know what that is that's super close like this is really wild and then more popping noises doesn't get any louder and it's like okay that's that sounds all pistol caliber okay right. so i get on twitter and i start looking at you know at the at the news and within like 10 minutes you know that the at the little shopping mall that was two or three blocks or whatever from where my hotel was um there was you know some guys rolled up on the on their you know, two up on a motorcycle, yeah. and you know, dumped a mag into the back of this car. It was like a gang thing, right. not a terrorist thing. And it's like, well, you don't really hear that every day, or you don't, you know, get the newspaper and or whatever and read the English language. Oh, yeah, somebody you know dropped off a hand grenade at the local farmers market right. in this little place, and um, like, just interesting. But it ended up like I, I didn't. I, I bought them. I started mountain biking in Tel Aviv because, or nearby there. Cause yeah. I realized like, okay, at least out here it's safe. And then call introduced me to a couple of friends and they would take me to these cool places to ride my car non-bike. on the mountain. Well, you,
0: yeah. It, did you go to Jerusalem when you were there and spend any time One, there? I
1: did not pay, spend any time, you know, oh, one day wow. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I like, I drove out the not main route, mm-hmm. um, to get there. So you kind of come in from the Northwest, I guess. Yeah, like, uh, uh I, I want to hi- say it's uh, Haifa. No, not, not that far there. North, but, no. um, not the four, lane it was in so you have the the defense on one side and the camp yeah. on the other got gotcha. and you know they're kind of yeah. zipping rounds over there. and it was it was the one where the the more recent was it might have been two thousand twelve at the part of the um uh, the recent Intifada or whatever it was, yeah. you know there was a lot of sniping going on mm-hmm. on, on the people getting killed and and I was like I am not really into driving around and conditions like that <laughs> it wasn't going on when i was there right but um but the, the the brief amount of time that i'd spent in jerusalem i could i mean i didn't i could feel the icky tension yeah
3: like, like it's just are, like are, are weird whoa where it's like not a, like it's not a war going on say like in you know driving around J-Bad or or baghdad or wherever or like there's actual fighting happening here all the time but like, I felt that in Beirut when I was there a couple of years ago. For like,
2: sure. Beirut's
0: like, weird. It's like,
3: like you're like, at any yeah. moment, like, that guy could get pissed at that guy and call his family, and this could turn into a shit show.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I love Jerusalem. It's like one of my favorite cities that I've ever lived in. It's one of my favorite cities. So you spent a fair amount of time. I did, yeah. I, I, it's oh. amazing. Like wow. It's an amazing city, and you know and, and some of my fondest memories are like early morning runs in Jerusalem especially on like Shabbat when the whole con- the, like everything's at a standstill like yeah. i could run down the middle of the road in a main city and there's no cars going in a- anywhere Holy and in it's Jerusalem rad. especially right so no. i could go out on a morning run on a saturday and have all the streets to myself nobody runs out there like you know like like they they do you'll see like another runner here and there but it's just such a wild and cool place And the the old city was right there so you could kind of work through all your like really big sandstone streets and just like it's such a cool it's, it's it's just amazingly cool environment i'd run out to close to uh Bethlehem, which is I forget like twelve miles or whatever, right? And putting nice. these fucking long runs and like Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and just Israel and Beirut, that whole area, it's just so incredible to me. Cause it's a little bit spicy, you know, yeah, it's a l- little l- bit l-
3: dangerous. It's like a little spicy, it's, but it's got that like kinda cool flavor. Yeah. Like like you can like it's a little spicy, but if you walk one block, there's this really cool French restaurant no and they shit. serve some awesome fucking wine Seriously. for cheap as shit. And you're yeah. like, <sighs>
0: That's where I'm going after <laughs> That's hours. Where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I've, Israeli women are some of the hottest women on the planet, too. And at that point in my life, I mean, I've never stopped appreciating beautiful women. It's not something I just stopped. Just, yeah. At that point in my life. Off. Yeah. yeah. It's an incredible place. And in, I, I can't even say enough about how fucking cool it is. It's not like you want to go. I mean, I would. I would go vacation there anytime.
3: I mean, I was time. saying that about Beirut until this morning. Until, yeah, yeah. until the fireworks until, factory until blew mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Well, be- I was telling Logan, like, I think the hotel I was staying at for those, like, three weeks was, like, five blocks from there. I'm like, I've I've done runs down past that place. Right? Like, Man. Oh, what?
2: I Ooh. would be so surprised if that was only fireworks in that building. I, I was going to say, it
1: doesn't seem like a Do country die? like that. Needs fireworks, nor do fireworks. Like it has or to, or do that, that thing specifically. Of a they don't do <laughs> that thing specifically. That,
0: that thing—that's what we were talking about this morning. like, a like oh, at least, like, at whoa, least. buddy, at least. Did you see? It just incinerated that hotel next yeah. to it. it. Just turned
3: it into like no. That know, looked like like a gigantic. It really bomb. did like a really like, big bomb. I
0: was, I was telling Logan. I was like, it would not surprise me if a few high-ranking Hezbollah
3: members were putting something so together. To die in that hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it would surprise me. they just came out a little later. You I know. Don't know. That, that truck bomb just went off all by itself. <laughs> yeah, Holy or shit. if
2: Hezbollah was making munitions That's what I'm saying. In yeah. that, in that and then factory. somebody yeah.
0: detonated. Yeah. So you touched yeah. on something I want to circle back to. You're talking about the differentiation between high-caliber and, you know, pistol or subsonic ammo, which I think is an interesting fact, which I'll segue into. <laughs> when I read your book back in the day, and uh I, I think I've told Trevor and a few, few people this, but you know, hanging around with people that like to climb, hanging around with people that kind of like to spend a lot of time in the mountains. Yeah. Um reading your books and reading some of your material I was it was like well this dude doesn't fit that template very well <laughs> and, <laughs> and and then you being a competitive shooter on top of that and you know discussing kind of competing it, it's so interesting to me because back in the day I remember reading this and I was like oh so I don't have to just hang out with these hardcore anti-gun hippies (laughs) if if i want to go climbing there are actually other people like Like me me. that do these types of things so i don't have to feel like such a fucking weirdo but
1: or or defend
0: yourself you know defend like yourself
1: you always be in this sort of um strange social confrontation with and and it's and and the sad thing about it is just like, it's assumptions made on the, you know, I want to like how many of my anti-gun, you know, formerly anti-gun friends are firearms owner in the last four right, months, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. or, well, you know, all, <laughs> or something like that. I mean, I have a good friend, um, who, you know, was, he was, uh, neither here nor there. Right. You know, he was, didn't own a firearm. He's a 50 low early fifties, you know, man. And, um, and, uh, this, everything kicked off a little while ago and he was like, Hey, what do I need? I'm like, Oh, well you Ooh. live in the great state of Washington. You're going to have to have, you got going to have a waiting period. So right. you might want to get on this, you know? And, and, um, and now he's fully down the road. He sent me a text the other day. And he's like, ah, guy, I want bike riding. You know, I get, that I go b- riding with watch some dude get dropped on the front porch of this guy's house after, you know, like, and I'm like, Joe, how do you fucking, you're like now you're sensitized to this <laughs> stuff. Cause yeah. you know, And he knows what, you know, three rounds of 45 ACP to the chest. He knows how to describe that in a text now. (laughs) I'm like, man, you're on the steep fucking learning curve. (laughs) Um, But it was weird because there was a period of time, you know, once people found out that I was shooting, especially in the climbing community, that the relation, like he could sense like a different level of tension. And then when people find out that like, oh, and I, yeah, we were at this trade show or something and he bent down and, I realized he was carrying a gun, you know, in the Salt Palace trade show or something. Yeah, and yeah. then it gets even weirder, you know, or they'd hug and people, my friends would come up and they'd wrap their arms around me. I'd always be checking my, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> behind my right hip. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it?
0: Yeah, exactly. So what, but what turned like you a, onto that back in the day? Because it seems like, and I've, I've wanted to ask you this question for a while, because it seems like to go from that subculture, that crowd, and then say, Hey, competitive pistol shooting—that sounds fucking super interesting to me. How do you even get
1: it turned on to that? Total, um, total happenstance. I I had not. I I remember having a conversation with uh, my uh, climbing partner Randy Ratcliffe, and some point we were in Can- in the Canadian Rockies climbing, and he was talking about firearms. And like his maybe a family member or whatever had right. a firearm or something, and, and he goes, and he was just read some statistic, and he's just like, "Yeah, there's, you know." something like there's two, you know, firearms for every man, woman and child in the country, you know, numbers wise. And he right. goes, and Mark, you don't own one and I don't own one. And so that means somebody has 15, right. you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I go, man, that's yeah. so fucked. I do this, that's right. <laughs> that's good. <Yeah. laughs> good.
0: I'm making yeah. up for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody's <laughs> got to take up this line. I mean, <laughs> um, and so it, it would, I think it would have been 1995, uh, early in the winter of 1995, I'd driven from, I was living here, driven up to Teton to the Tetons to go uh, winter climbing. Conditions were shit. I mean, the weather was horrible. Right. And uh, my friend Brent's Hawks owned the Teton Rock Gym at the time and he's a fucking cowboy. He grew up up there. He's right. a cowboy. And he's like, well, you can't go climb. We should go, do you want to go shoot guns? I was like, I, I Come so I don't shoot guns. <laughs> Who do you think I am? Did you have is a neon this, onesie? A Did you have
0: a neon on when you said that? Probably,
1: <laughs> like a, or at least a neon ponytail, you know, like. Yeah. And uh, so we go down to the uh, to the to the range, uh, just outside of Jackson, and I was like, "Oh my god, this demands total focus." to like, here, have a firearm, you know, like all guns, and, 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 uh, you know, there's a a sign of the four cardinal rules or whatever of this Mm -hmm. and that I had, you know, a couple of guys who were watching me and I think I shot like a 44 Magnum revolver, like a six inch barrel on it. Um, a little Smith and Wesson semi-auto, something (laughs) like that. I like within three days I was, I mean, I, okay, let's see. Just think about this. This is a a trivia question. Mid-90s, new gun owner. Want to be cool. What type? What type of gun? Yeah, just just imagine. 1995. uh, Desert Eagle. Okay, not that far. (laughs) 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 That's, that's, um, that's buying a pistol while jerking off at the same time, I
2: think.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't have known that at the time.
0: 90s want to be cool. Okay. Uh, I've got mine. You're going to have to throw yours out. Colt
2: 1911.
3: That, not quite that cool. Mm. What was the Beretta that Mel Gibson was shooting in *Lethal oh, Weapon*? Oh shit good That is—that would call. be my. That, that guess. is a fucking that, really good that call. That
1: would have been—that's it. That would have been a good I call. I feel like that would have been close. What about? well,
0: Because okay, Magnum you, was '80s. That's a 1911. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe a
1: revolver.
3: No, thinking From, an automatic. Mark's about efficiency, uh, so I'm, I don't see you with a with a revolver.
1: Okay. Okay. A, just think about a caliber that came and went in about six years. A caliber that came and went. In HK six USP years. 40. Oh, Let yeah, me help you out. There we go. Right? right. Yep. So, okay. There we go. There like, we go. It's <laughs> a little weird, but it's an automatic. <laughs> automatic. Yeah. Th- you know, I think it was 13 plus one or something, yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So, I buy one of those, get my, you know, normal capacity magazines that come right. with it, not realizing that we're in the middle of a high capacity mag ban. Right. Um you know in the state like all kinds of shit went r- and that, so w- then within a couple of months I buy a Sig 226. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um because a uh, friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, a, a a a guy used to guide a lot his brother was working the DA and slid me some uh, you know, before all the high cap mags had law enforcement only written on them. I got a few of those right. not realizing. And I think I mentioned this when I was talking with uh, Jack about like controls on a USP. Right. And a 226 are reversed. So decocking lever safety, like, yeah. Okay. Now I'm totally fucking up. Mm-hmm. I, think I think the next think gun was a <laughs> next gun, I believe was a Browning high power. Um, and that was my gateway into the whole 1911 thing. Um, and because and then i st- went to uh um so i think i turned up with a with that 226 at a uh USPSA competition mm-hmm. here in salt lake one um and just got your ass handed to oh, you. Oh well, now for a variety of <laughs> they're reasons, like, why do you have knows. a two-stage trigger? <laughs> Are you an idiot? <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> I, I, I Later what is a I, hinge, I, hinge trigger?
5: Are <laughs>
1: <you're, you're> a <laughs> noob? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I highly recommend you pounds. just you just throw the first one away into the dirt, <laughs> or throw it, and then you know, like, throw the weapon at the target. <laughs> you'll hit it faster. Yeah. Um. And and, and the, and the competition, I couldn't figure a way like i had to have a reason to do stuff like for me physical fitness was the end result was you know to support climbing um you know i need to be a Mm. figure out you know to to be a better skier because getting to and from big roots in the Mm. alps you know it's a ski thing like so the only way i could think of shooting being uh uh, ever useful was to and somebody goes oh there's these competitions and you could do these and i'd you know
3: (laughs) Is that what drove you down like the reloading rabbit hole and like the whole. Nine oh sure. Yards yeah, you're of, like, you're reloading the whole nine. Oh yeah.
1: Dramatic. Like it yeah. went. Um, and, and then, uh, so I started, uh, seeing Lisa and her, um, she had family here. Right. Her brother, uh, Dave is a, you know, he shot on the super squad and you, you know, with Barnhart, with Robbie Latham, with Brian oh, yeah. Enos and all those guys. Oh, wow. He earned his grandmaster with no a single shit. stack 1911 back in the day. That is legit. Re- and so I had the first match I ever went to here in Salt Lake, which is up at the now closed uh, range in immigration or in, on the, not immigration, but the, par- in Parley. Parley's, parley's. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I noticed, a, and one of the guys who was there, kind of an older guy, um, and, and it said, and he had, like, a, a beautiful hand-tooled, like, cowboy-style belt. Right. Like, his inner belt. And it said Beauchard on the back. And I remember seeing that name because that guy just fucking lit. And it was him and uh, and the two Waukee brothers, Matt. And I can't remember his brother's name. And those guys were, I think, they were shooting open guns at that point. Um, so, 38 Super. Yeah. Uh, with a, um, and it was, uh, either, you know, original Gigantor or red dots. Yeah. Like they were like that big on top of the, like it was before, um, the C, the original Seymour's, right. um, but they were legit fast. Yeah. And so I remember seeing that guy and then, um, so that would have been in, in the summer of 95 when I shot my first competition. And then, uh, I met Lisa and then we came back out here and, uh, on a, on a visit once and I went to a, a match with him, fully introduced. Right. And then I was just like, I need to learn all this stuff. And uh, she goes, oh, well, I know this other guy that they shoot with who's on the super squad. And uh, we can just drop by his place in Montrose on the way back to Boulder because that's where Lisa and I were, staying, were living at the time. And so on the way through Montrose, uh, turn up at the range there and meet Ron Avery and spent two days shooting with him. And so, and this was when I started learning, and I had already learned how expensive it was to right. buy, you know, go to Sportsman's Warehouse and buy yeah. bullets. Like, you don't shoot right. that much. No. And, um, and then at that range in Montrose, that's when I met Brian Enos because um, he was just, same thing, passing yeah. through coincidentally. Lisa knew him also, also from that whole, because she used to go to matches with her brother. Right. And um, so she knew all the hitters, and I just kind of got like, like introduced into that group, into the top of the circle, into the yeah. fucking legends, into, into, into the legends. <laughs> yeah. Well having to like work yeah. my way, you know, like I'm a I'm a D class
3: <laughs> shooter, but I just you know. Sh- hey, this, you my, can't you can't
1: purchase access. And no, like, you can't to have access Seriously. like that, and
3: then the desire to learn it. Yeah,
1: and that I think was what everyone saw, saw was yeah. like I'm uh, I come with an empty cup, and I will do like if you tell me, yeah, you know, some drills to you or things to work on, I will do it. Or like, okay, get rid of this. you you, okay you need a 1911 you know you um or or whatever and and um and it wasn't too long thereafter that uh i realized i probably need a high cap gun and i ended up down at brian's place in where when he was living in apache junction at the time and so i was sleeping in his trailer and going out to his shed every day and he helped me build a um, you know, I started with a, a stock okay. STI at 40 and we right. did all the work on the grip and and uh lightening everything that could be lightened yeah, and yeah. tuning it up and build dialing a load for it and um and uh eventually I got away from that, went back to single stack because I, I realized like okay, okay, I'm like I'm the gear yeah. guy and it's I'm just gonna end up with one of those <clears throat> guns that's super fucking loud and holds 30 rounds, you know, yeah. and then, um, and, and, and that lucked into, you know, I'd go down and shoot with, with Brian, I'd meet Robbie I'd meet, you know, all the guys who, from that Phoenix Tempe zone who, I mean, it was the, the, the heavyweights of USPSA and, uh, at the time. And, um, and then like and then uh, uh, Robbie was actually who introduced me to um uh, guy. He was doing all the handgun stuff for guys at, behind the fence at Bragg. And right. he was the one who introduced me there yeah. in 1999. And that was like, and to be, you know, I don't have to prove myself as a climber or like to right. get introduced through that, that door and then go back and spend five days behind the fence and go to the range and be able to hold my own. That's
0: fucking crazy. And
1: then that was like, Everybody realized he's not that hippie guy right. with, he comes with the hack, you know, half key sack and some devil sticks or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, hey man. Well, what, what, like, because that's one of those, yeah, those yeah. things that the hippies always use. The, those, the, you know, the, the the yeah, those are devil sticks. I know what <laughs> yeah. About
3: yeah.
2: Let's sling some lead and play some hacky it's sack not, like, yeah. those, conversations,
3: those conversations do go on. I, we talked about it, like, when we drove out to go shoot in the desert, you yeah. know, like a few months back, like, those conversations go on when, when we all go to courses. If somebody's been there before and you know, whoever's running the course, like the instructor is not in the military, has never been in the military, right. but you know for a fact that they are a good shooter or they hunt or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. in that spectrum, it's like, yeah. no, no, they're cool because X. Right. It's an immediate validation and nobody worries about vetting you. Like, it yeah. just doesn't yeah. happen in the back of your head. And then that makes your job easier as an instructor because nobody's sitting there like, all right, sure, dude. You hippie, like nobody's right. playing that game because you're vetted in their head,
1: and, and you don't have to. And I wouldn't have to like pr- do some uh, stupid fitness thing, right. you know, like invent some your little exercise that no one else can like do. But I've been practicing trick. for five fucking years. Yeah. Yeah. You look, I like can you know, juggle exactly and do a one yeah. arm pull up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I can I can shoot the plate rack and play a hacky sack at the same <laughs> time. You <know>, or, like, <laughs> <laughs> or you know whatever. Uh, um, but but that uh, yeah the the validation was
6: like
1: it, it helped so much. where right? right. I'd show up, you know, anywhere on, on a military thing, and like, hey, we're gonna go do this, and I'd, right. okay, oh, I know, I know, I understand, I know this platform, and I'd get the rifle, and I could you know do the thing, and and it it's so
0: interesting to me though because you have this. You have a subculture within the tactics world that is kind of the pseudo mountain hippie type of person. Oh, yeah, that gets drawn into the tactical world. And I was always within that yeah. subculture of people because you know, people knew okay, well, when Evan's off, you know, I'm running a river, I'm doing yeah. something that's that's outdoor based and typically it's going to be something fairly complex that <laughs> you, you can't do actually it takes logistics yeah. it takes planning it takes skill but you know i'd show up to places all the time right where you'd, you'd be wearing birkenstocks and dudes are wearing boots and they'd be like what the fuck are you wearing yeah. like i'm gonna fucking crush your nuts today on the range I'm going to, I'm going to bend you over and spank you like a fucking baby. I'm going to take your lunch money and then you're, <laughs> then we're going to talk about my Birkin stocks later. Yeah. Because you're going to get your ass kicked by these things. But one of my good friends, this dude is a fucking phenomenal shooter, amazing guy. He's, he's incredible. Uh, he's actually the guy that Aries Watch. He's the guy that founded this company. Okay. Matt Graham. And he shows up to this course that I was in. And I knew instantly we were going to be fucking buddies because he shows up driving a Saab station wagon, safety first in a in a in a fucking <laughs> Hawaiian shirt, like buttoned down halfway down as like like, like pre pre yeah. cool Hawaiian shirt. No, no, not yeah. Pre no, 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 This is pre this, like, like post PI. On, like who gives pre a cool Hawaiian shirt, Birkenstocks, and some like corduroy shorts or some shit.
3: Look, you know you're and, legit if you have corduroy shorts. Yeah,
0: and he like swaps his shoes out because he's going to the range. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna dig this dude. <laughs> you know, this
1: guy's my people,
3: man.
0: I like you already. Tribe.
1: I like you already, bud. It, it's funny though, because like I think it's way easier to like if if you go into the the you know the the, the tactical world, let's right, call yeah. it, coming from a climbing background, like a a civilian problem solving background, where you've been in situations where there to you know the decisions that you make while climbing affect your, you know, well-being, right? let's say, and it can can in a a, a very serious way. Like, I think you have a ton of advantages going into the tactical, especially if you've, like, you know, spent, you know, yeah, I'm going into the mountains for five days, and I have to Mm -hmm. look after myself, and I have to, you know, look ahead, you know, predict far enough ahead that I'm still viable on day five. I can't, like, just ruin myself these first few days. Um, And then come up short on the day. Um, I think that's a a – like one of the better backgrounds that you could have. And in, when I first started working with the teams and would go out to Pickle Meadows at, or the Mountain Warfare Training Center and, and work with guys, and I'm just like, look, I I, I would r- rather teach a person tactics, you know, the guy who had a solid background in the mountains tactics than try and teach someone who came from the city and yeah. had a solid tactical background to move around the mountains. Yeah, Like I, th- there's... A, a, a layer of, like, or a, a, a level of autonomy that you get from looking after yourself out in mm-hmm. the, out in the wild, that I think, is super valuable.
3: Well, and there's a layer of caution built in that isn't, yeah, that isn't stuck inside of anxiety either. Like somebody that's never moved around like that is going to be anxious. Yep. Whether or not they're cautious, but somebody that has done it is going to be cautious and probably not anxious. And I think your decision making is different.
1: And I think also you, you spend like, if, if, if it's an uncomfortable environmental situation, Mm -hmm. the amount of energy that you, that is spent just trying to, um, like do your daily hygiene stuff, you know, just like, okay, I need to look after myself. I need to okay, these socks that they're wet. I need to take them off. I got to put them inside my puffy coat tonight when I'm, you know, when I'm sitting here shivering to try and dry them outside, you know, like all those things that are automatic if you've done it enough, um, cost a lot. And, and And just moving around on on the on technical terrain and really guys you know watching uh how hard people have to concentrate about foot placement and stuff like that, and you're like yeah you're you're you know you sensitized you've got your head on a swivel for an hour here in you know the first hour into this two day exercise, but after that you're just looking at the ground all the time, and you're super easy to run up on um but the but and and, and then the, the the whole switch from like heavy boots to very lightweight shoes, and then back to a midweight boot. I'm just like trying to teach all the time. Like, there are places to save weight. Right. Footwear is not one of them in technical <laughs> terrain, like, because right, boots for, are tools. Yeah. Like, if I don't have to think about rolling my ankle, if I don't have to think about, you know, like, like I've got a good, decent amount of protection underfoot which I don't have in my super lightweight ultras that I right. lightened further by taking the rock guards out of, you know, like there, I, um, I, I've saved a bunch of energy by adding a little bit of weight to my, to my feet. Well, guys right? don't
3: see that third order effect unless they've been affected by it.
1: Yeah. Well, and you feel the
0: consequences for poor decision-making and the second and third order effects of poor decision-making because of that, right? So yeah. you, you know, you pack your gear, you plan your fucking routes or whatever it is. And then you get in the middle there. You're, you're not turning back. Like you're like, fuck, I, I, I have fucked Oops. up so badly that this <laughs> is going to be so much more difficult. I'm going and to you're gonna feel this every minute for the next hour until yeah. this fucking ends. And then you're like, I will never make that mistake
1: yeah. again. Yeah. So until you make it again, <laughs> until, until you, make it again. <laughs> you try it, you try it a little but, different. Yeah. What, what if I just do this instead? But it's the, so the, little. the worst lesson <laughs> is the one that you is re-experiencing the one you already learned. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. fuck, I completely yeah. I did this before. <laughs> exactly. Shh. <laughs> like, don't yeah. tell, uh, don't admit it, but, it, yeah, but it's true. No one. And, and one of the things like climbing a lot of times, I mean, the, the, if you come up to that point, the oops moment, right. when you're past the point of no return, then you, like you said, look, I'm going to be experiencing. You know, I now I have to fail upwards because there is no going back. Well, like it. you were saying and, on
3: the talking about the Slovak track, like yeah, we're taking this much gear and food because that's literally how much we're going to have, and if we're not done, then we're fucking done. Like if we're going to make a mistake, it's made ahead of time. Y-
1: yes, and 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 but also sometimes those decisions get made without knowing yeah. exactly what you're getting into. Right. Yeah. Like I didn't realize, I mean, it never occurred to me like, cause I, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to not necessarily trying to get to a point of no return. Right. But once you do the liberating of, like the, the sense of liberation is fucking amazing. Just yeah. like, Because up until the point you can go down, you're always got that wargaming in your head Mm -hmm. of like, okay, if we have to bail from here, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to use these natural anchors. We can probably get V-threads in that one spot, you know, or whatever. Or I think we can get off to the side. But as soon as there's like no going down and no escaping to the left or right, man, all energy is aimed upwards on that outcome, which like – but you can't launch that What? Like there's no way – without, if there's a way back, then, then there is, then I think it's impossible. Everybody who has their survival, you know, in their head always keeps something in their back pocket. Yeah. But if there's no way, if there is no, you know, no way down, no, like, I'm not going to need anything extra. I need to spend a hundred percent in that direction. Then, uh, then, then you are absolutely free. With with no you know if we're gonna empty the tank and then we're gonna lick it, <laughs> <laughs> get that last yeah. drop out of there.
0: Yeah. It's it's interesting. We were talking about this last week when one of the reasons I loved whitewater kayaking for for that reason was there was no turning around. There was you, you just had to deal with your shit
3: and you don't like it. The river you don't, don't care. It doesn't
0: fucking matter, man. Yeah, like, you, you can. Portage, kind of, sometimes, maybe, depending, if, if right? If you can eddy out. If you can. But most <laughs> of the time, it's like, you just got to go. Well, and you got to work your way through it. And you got to just deal with whatever fucking comes your direction. And every one of these decisions is like split, decision-making, complex problem-solving. And, and compound- it's all fucking happening And they're, they're you. compounding. And you can't. You can't stop it. It's 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 like a fight, but it, you just can't stop it. It's fucking it's taking you, whether you like it or not. You're going, and I love that. So you better like it. I loved that aspect of things because it's it's you can control the entry, and you can kind of control the out, but. You know, it's how, you know, how how you've trained prior to the, the entire fucking process. What type of gear do you have? The gear is relatively limited to what type of training you're doing, what type of process you're moving through, mm-hmm. which I love the way the military actually teaches people how to train at times because yeah. the crawl, walk, run aspect of things. But I see a lot of military guys at times where they're, they're really uh they're 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 stepping with trepidation trying to get into the run phase and it's like no man you got to fucking send it it's time to put your big boy pants on and just deal with your shit because yeah you crawled and walked already it's man. time to go like it's time to time to get the fuck out and let's yeah. do this i think I mean, you're it, so man. much
2: more efficient as a human when you don't have that thing in your back pocket whether yeah it's going through a school or on a journey or adventure or a climb like if, if there's only one option you're not going to waste any energy on on something else.
4: But
1: the day that you need that thing in your back pocket, mm-hmm. it's really nice to have it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I, I and I, it's yeah. funny because I remember that there was a um, a uh, story when um, Mug Stump and Paul Aubrey did the you know what was. The first descent of the uh, North Buttress of Mount Hunter to the top of the buttress, but not to the top of Mount Hunter, and it's a four thousand foot thing, and arguably um, not quite as steep as El Cap, but right. you know it's a big, big wall. Of well, next, you know, for the audience, where is it located? Uh, it's in it's that is in the Alaska Range. It'd be the I think the uh, so right. There with Mount McKinley and Mount Foraker, yeah. or Denali and Foraker. An and, an angry um, Angry Place. And guys had been looking at this for a long time. I, some friends of mine from the Northwest had, you know, been up on the North Buttress. I mean, this was a, a, a an objective for a long time. And and he went up there with Paul Aubrey, and Muggs was, you know, noted for not bringing a ton of food right you know just <laughs> like man, <you> know, <laughs> he was known i'll just yeah. eat air and and uh and and aubrey i remember there was like a thing like he handed he there was an article that came out afterwards he was just like um because mugs was doing the lion's share of the hard climbing and leading because he was that much better than pretty much everybody else on the planet at the time um and paul aubrey was i i think was it, in, in article said something about like handing mugs the last tiger's milk bar, something like I can't have him running out of energy up here because <laughs> understanding full well that, you know, mugs was, you know, shouldering more of the, the, the load. And, uh, and realized like, okay, that's, I, I'm going to have a fucking tiger's milk bar in the bottom of my packet, you know, or something, right. something, whatever the equivalent of that is because on the day, like, Man, we need to somebody needs to be making some good decisions here and we're all too stupid from, you know, lack of food. I mean, you get really really sharp on a certain amount of hunger. Right. But then that goes away <laughs> on a little more hunger. Yeah. <laughs> um, Doesn't take much. And fa- and fatigue. Yeah, I can't imagine like w-
0: when you're talking about 40 plus hours of constant moving and that type of energy output. Were you were you were you starting to uh hallucinate at all at that point? Had you already been <laughs> well, so the, the flashbacks Nixon promised yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Were you hallucinating
0: uh, from internal lack of sleep, I should say? I'll probably say. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, essentially the um I, I was I never had like sort of visual type hallucination. A lot right. of people except in the Himalayas. And that's more related to hypoxia than fatigue. Got it. But if you're, you know, say at 25,000 feet and you've been there for a while without oxygen or 26 or whatever, right. um, there's the, the third man, you know, kind of thing is totally li- real. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, start talking to him, Yeah. Uh, some, you know, or, or it's the shadow, the feeling, the, you know, whatever. But, um, uh, the, but Scott and I would, uh, would get, uh, a couple of different times we got just pretty serious auditory hallucinations. Mm. Like, um, and the joke was always came from, there was a, something sampled. I can't remember the name of the movie, but there was a, a skinny puppy track, I think called stairs and flowers. Um, that, uh, the, the things were sampled from this movie. And they're like, do you hear that? Do you hear that music? That band. And, 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 and I don't know what the situation was in the movie, but it would always be in the fucking stove. Like we're stopped somewhere, <laughs> sitting on a ledge, <laughs> and melting snow or ice to get something to water, and there would be fucking voices or music coming from the stove. And so that was, that was kind of the joke. I mean, and, and you – every – there, there is a period when the, the – all the sort of expectations or prejudice or whatever goes away from fatigue – Right and hunger and there's a and there's a a mental clarity that comes from that uh, that initial hunger the the under you know because there's i don't have any blood in, there's nothing no food in my stomach to digest there hasn't been for a long time right so all of that is available you know here and 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 but then you get uh and and i i and we've i felt Like up to 24, maybe 36 hours, you're pretty sharp. Mm -hmm. You start getting real fucking stupid right around 36. Right. And on that particular route on the Slovak Direct, right, it was right around in that time frame, 34 to 36 hours, where we had a route finding. I had a route finding decision to make and to find a way that's not too difficult through this rock band that was above us, and I was fucking too stupid. And I think we made two different. (laughs) Uh, attempts through this rock band before finally like doing the end run around it. Um, which is where we should have gone in the first place. And, uh, um, and then up a little bit higher, uh, Steve made a a decision and this is like, then we're like at 55 hours in at this point or something right. like that, where we could have continued directly up the Cassine onto this, you know, up this known terrain following tracks from, uh, Mark Westman and his partner that had like, we had, our, the route that we were on had joined them, and they were you know a high far enough above us that we couldn 't catch them um and but not so far ahead that the tracks that they had you know the boot pack that they'd put in right. on the ridge were getting filled in, so we had every advantage there, and Steve was just like he saw the he knew that we had to traverse off um to head to to uh, join the normal route and get down. Um, and just headed that way. And I, I remember, uh, at some point, um, well, you know, I was right behind him. Scott was uh, a little bit further back and we, uh, Steve stopped. I caught him. Scott caught up and, and I said something like, man, I don't know why we're over here. I don't I don't there's no reason we should be here. And I think Scott said something like, I can think of 60 reasons why we're over here, which is every fucking hour essentially <laughs> <laughs> that had gone into it. It's like, yep, it's true. We are real stupid right now. <laughs> you son of a and, bitch. <laughs> and uh, you know, leave it to Scott to come up with the, you know, the the wisdom bomb in the mo- in that moment. Um so so I think up to a certain point there's there you know good decisions are made and then after that you have to build uh either watching each other right type of safety features into the team relationship um or or other mechanisms in to look after cuz you know you're going to make stupid choices i can't
0: even imagine like like working your way through climbing partners over that course of time because the people that match your personality in the sense of who's this person that I will actually not want to fucking murder after a few few hours actually has the endurance and capacity in order to bring value to the team like like, I can't imagine how many arguments have you gotten on in fucking (laughs) 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 to be like I I think about that history I'm like oh my god man how many how many fucking slippers did you have to put on before you found some
1: Cinderellas in that thing
0: Fuck.
1: Um, <laughs> not a lot. I mean, there's there's a like the, the that the I guess the available number of partners who right. are on a, like a, a similar level, technical ability, vision, et cetera. Limits your are, pool. Uh, limits the pool already. Right. But also the the um the who is the partner? Who's the right one for who I am as a climber and what I want to do? Like right now, right? And it can't. Later, it got a little bit mercenary, but like um when Randy Ratcliffe and I went to the Canadian Rockies and we both spent a lot of time in the French Alps soloing. Right. Um, and we both loved climbing frozen waterfalls without the rope. And it like our overlap at that time was completely consistent. And, and he had no, he had no ambitions to go to the Himalayas though. Right. Which is where I was like he aiming. He just
3: liked hard ice.
1: Yeah. Or, or hard Alpine routes of, you know, in the three or 4,000 foot, You know, and he'd soloed a bunch of hard rock routes in the Alps as well. Um, But things he could get out and do in a day, maybe one bivvy, something like that. And and, and that didn't require a ton of logistics. Right. Just to get out and move. And so that trip um, to the Canadian Rockies where, you know, our last, the last five days we were there, um, we simul soloed Polar Circus, which is a 600 meter, you know, I think grade five plus frozen waterfall. um, And then we took a rest day and then we simul-solid slipstream um, where my, he got a little bit behind on that. It's my, where my speed record on that. And that's, I think it, I think they call it 925 meters. So 3000 vertical foot frozen waterfall um, grade four technical thing, but super dangerous from objective hazard. And then took another rest day and then did the first ascent of the reality bath. Another 600 meter frozen waterfall. We called it grade seven, um, but it's probably technical, Grade six, six plus, and an engagement grade of seven because it's got this gigantic serac over the top of it. Um, And that's fucking 1988, and and that route still hasn't been repeated. Wow. Um, But we overlapped perfectly for where we each were at that time. Um, And on that trip, I met Barry Blanchard, um, who was my partner for the next little bit and, and vice versa because he had been to the Himalayas, they had money to go back. Got it. For right. they had lost the third man of their, or the fourth guy of their four man team. Right. So they invited me and I was just like, okay, this is fucking perfect. Everybody on that team, him, Ward Robinson, Kevin Doyle, all guys, you know, ton of experience, all guys who'd soloed a lot. Um, and that right there for me is the thing. If you've only ever climbed with the rope, uh, at least for me at that time, I was just like, well, I don't really, I like to make up time. Right. (laughs) You can cover, you know, if you take the rope off, you can cover and, you know, just don't fuck up. Right. Um, And you can cover a lot of ground that way. (laughs) I think you said that
3: about those routes in the, in the Rockies uh, (laughs) that that you did with him. Like, I mean, you guys could repeat it if you're willing to take the objective hazard of climbing alone.
0: Yeah. Like if you could,
3: if you don't fall,
0: did you go through that? Did you go through a phase where you just didn't give a fuck? like i mean in order to do that it seems like there's got to be a psychology of if i may, if i make a mistake i'm dead but keeps okay. you, keeps you sharp yeah
1: i mean th- th- the i don't know how it that started for me i mean i wasn't i'm, I'm not antisocial by nature but i'm also very per- I, yeah, I, I didn't look at it philosophically in the beginning. It was just like, okay, I don't have a partner for the day, and, I'm, and I, I know that this makes me more capable. It's just like, yeah, you can, um, I mean, I always kind of joked, or there was a period of time where I was just like, yeah, I mean, I don't, the dojo, you should just train with a live blade. Right. <laughs>
3: You know, it's or totally fine. The,
1: totally, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, totally I mean, I would, I guess that would be
3: the equivalent. I don't right. know, but it's what right. I would like. I don't want to speak out of turn for you, but I'm sure that kayaking alone is similar. We're like, oh, I, I don't, I think combat's
0: probably more appropriate yeah. because well, they're, they're like, you have to have a level of commitment. I know, like, after you figure out, like, okay, well, drowning's not that bad. Like, if you're just going to go to sleep, basically. Because I remember the first time very acutely, like I was pinned underwater. I was like, "Oh, this won't be that bad." So <laughs> okay, okay. okay, I mean, I guess. But well, I've I'm had like too i I'm good with this. Like I didn't want to. Obviously, I was yeah. trying to get out. But I'm like, okay, well, that, that, ain't, that ain't that bad. Mm. Fucking me, mm. man. Like, you know. But I mean, you're like 18 or 19. Like it's not like you have a conscious, coherent, developed thought. You don't even have the capacity about to how barely... fragile what this is. You don't understand yeah. how important it is. You know, yeah. I don't know if I actually understood that until well into my 30s yeah. because, you know, there were days where you're just like, who gives a fuck, you know, later in life, right? It's just, you know, you cruise around and, hey, let's try to get into Sodder City for fun. Like, we don't really need any real information. Maybe we go pick a fight. Fuck it. Let's get it on. You know, I, I mean, that, I,
1: but that's where...
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. the
1: interesting thing there is, I mean, for me... um. Where where I would say and it's not you know better or worse, but w- the thing about climbing is that the but the the sh- when stuff goes, like you're making these decisions in a relatively slow way, right like you're confronted with certain risks, you're like man, okay, I think we can I think I can get away with this, or right. I'm sure I can get away with it you know mm. if everything is as it appears, I can do you know this and that could right. that could be you know looking at a route. 3,000 foot roof in the bottom that could be relating to the next 10 feet, right? Right, but but nothing you know, if 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 unless you think um the mountain is sentient, mm-hmm. there is nothing hunting you, yeah. Like all of these things are yeah. like it's a yeah, it's, it, it, it could be you know, short straw day, you know, mm-hmm. for the the um but I will never let it happen due to inattention. Right. I will never let it happen because like, because it wasn't ever, I don't give a fuck. It's so mm. like, to me, it was always, I'm willing. This is, this is worth it. I will, right. I will risk this. And for that, the for, end for state that. is worth right. the risk. The, for, yeah, that exactly. And and yeah. to find a partner who's on the same page, that's not simple. No. Because someone who's r- total relationship <laughs> with life and or death is, you know, I mean, when Randy and I went up on, slipstream or whatever. And I just started running. Um, essentially, you know, we're both like, well, it's just not that great anyway, right. to be a lot, you know, so that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. <laughs> Cause you know, <laughs> we're, we're, so we're, the bang. we're free. You know, I mean, we, we right, are yeah. therefore completely free, but then confronted with, do I, you know, I just swung this ice tool. It didn't give me the super warm, fuzzy sound back. You know, yeah. if I didn't give a fuck, I'd just pull and, gotcha. you know, hope for the best. Right. But because I give a fuck...
0: You do give a fuck. I, right? I'm going
1: to, you know, yeah. replace it solidly so that if my feet blow or something bad happens, then I have that
0: that but, particular But form. it's interesting because I think I'm just trying to understand in the sense of you have to physically and psychologically acclimate yourself to, to that through, like, so many forms of repetition and push yourself past what most people can't comprehend yeah. as far as the, the the individual psychology is not something that I don't think most people can actually break through that threshold.
1: But the shocking thing is how plastic the mind is right? in that way, that yeah. that, that repeated stress. Because I would say the same thing Habituation. about, you know, combat. Like if you say, hey, let's go into Satter City and pick a fight, I'm just like, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, it doesn't... Um, and, and, you know, I'd like to – all dudes would like to believe that, you know, put in that situation that they would man up. But, it, but the only way that could happen is through a stress inoculation sort of process. And it's right. the same thing in climbing. And it's not um, – and you can, you can kind of think in your head like, um, yeah, I'll solo a 30-foot route first and then a 100-foot route. And I'm like – once you're 30 feet off the deck, it doesn't matter because right, you're yeah. dead. You know, you only, yeah. like, if you lob off in an uncontrolled manner from 30 right. feet up, you know, the outcome is the same. Gee. There's just more of you to recover than if you fucking tomahawk <laughs> down a 2,000 foot. I mean, I, I, I um, climbing partner, Philippe, uh, when he got killed, he went 700 meters. Right. Um, uh, of not like in the air, you know, yeah. vertical limit style right. of whatever. But um, uh, I later had a, I mean, it was pretty fucked up when they recovered him. And um, a couple of years later, I actually uh, had a long conversation with his mom and she had recovered this pullover he was wearing when he took that ride and had stitched up, you know, the like had washed it didn't get all the blood out, stitched up the hole so she had something mm. of him right. left. And I was like, Man, you get fucked up when you fall you know, when you cartwheel that far. Right. Yeah, and, we're not
3: um, we're real fragile and hit, yeah. hitting things fast is not good for humans. Jeez.
1: And and but 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 there's a the 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 trick the mental trickery of thinking that, you know, thirty feet is any different than you know, three hundred. <laughs> right. Um it is, I mean, you can, you know, if I can get in a little altercation in front of the brew pub and hit your head on the curb and be just as dead. Yeah, so, right. um, but, but going through like a process of, of that inoculation, like, Oh, I'm comfortable on this grade of rock climbing. Right. I mean, super comfortable. So I can just, you know, paddle
4: mm-hmm. in
1: a way. Uh, and i I bet it's the same in the river. And the difference there is that the, you are in a moving, a very dynamic environment. Um, whereas, the, ideally, the mountain's not moving. <laughs> <laughs> if it is... Please uh, <laughs> don't go nowhere. No. I think uh, we have bigger problems now, is, um, <laughs> is the line that is supposed to be... <laughs> that is a super short straw you pulled oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck. So I, I was cruising through some of your stuff, and one of the things I was watching today in... It, it The videos looked kind of lame, so don't hold me to this. But, but, like, the place fascinates me. Antarctica fascinates me. But, I mean, how – the video looked kind of – that was put together. Yeah. It looked super cool, but it was too fast. There wasn't enough depth to it for me. I was like, man, what the fuck did you guys do? Just, like, go down there and do one route? And then
1: that's the way it looked. I know. I, I wish there was a making of for that particular yeah. thing. Um, it was way too fast. Like, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, it's a minute <laughs> and 30 seconds because yeah. we were down there shooting a a, a commercial. Oh, and, okay. And so, and uh, you know, you go to movies, theater, in foreign, in different countries, different places around right. the world, all the, the, there, there, there are these minute and a half, minute or minute and a half long advertisements ahead of the, uh, instead of the, instead of trailers for other movies, there's it. like the advertising.
0: Okay.
4: And
1: so, Um, uh, HSI, which is a production company in LA had, um, had got a contract with, uh, Hollywood brand cigarettes. Oh my God. (laughs) And there's a reason you're shaking your head that you've never heard of them. Right. Is it was a Brazilian brand, um, and only sold like it, it, and I, I'm just going to trot this out. It's every, you know. I, statute of limitations long yeah. gone It's a that, you know, whatever. But oh, it only sold in certain South American countries and Eastern Europe because of whatever toxic shit got <laughs> went into these fucking cigarettes that they... <laughs> whatever special stuff th- they put in. The special stuff that, you know, to get you more addicted or to get you, give you a little more buzz right. um, uh, was something that the FDA was not down with here gotcha. or other countries that yeah, had stricter yeah. um, rules about that stuff. So... Uh, They did three different commercials. One of them was the iceberg climbing thing in Antarctica. There was another one a friend of mine was on. They were sandboarding down those dunes, those giant ass dunes in Namibia, and then flying this like single engine acrobatic plane over at the same time, which was pretty, so my friend Andrew and another, um, another guy who are pro snowboarders went over there and figured that whole thing out of like, yeah, you use pledge on the bottom of your board and you dull the edges. They like they had a whole thing to make the boards go faster. Um, and then there was another one, which is riding dirt bikes around a, like an open pit mine somewhere. Okay. And with nods and the whole night it cool. was fucking yeah. wild. Wow. Um, so I did those three different commercials and, and, um, <laughs> so I got on the climbing one. Right. Um, a as, you know, so myself, Mark Wilford, um, there was a couple other people that, uh, a couple one other uh, climber, um, a gal from Yosemite, whose name escapes me right now, which is, uh, um, we were the talent, and then a bunch of other hitters from the climbing community, um, Rolo Garibodi, Kevin Swiger, Bob McDougal, um, who were on the safety crew. Got it. And we went down, and the thing is like, we're going to climb icebergs out of Zodiacs. And I'm like, sounds like a great idea. This is, and, I was like trying to figure out, okay, I I know what I'll be wearing. I know that doesn't look at all like scuba diving equipment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know that uh, my crampons have 12 points each. So that's 24 there plus two from the ice tool, maybe a third ice tool for a spare in case I break a pick. So I've got like uh, – these sharp points, and this is a fucking inflatable boat. This yeah, is yeah. like just makes no fucking like. Right. So we right. water's a little cold. Had to figure this out. In fact, it's where where we were. It's, the water temperature itself is below freezing, but the salt content is yeah, so wow. high that it it's still liquid. Right. And um, and it was, I mean, that was one of the more as far as like fucking a ball or boondoggle trip goes. Yeah. It's like I will never be able to afford going to Antarctica. So I will do a cigarette commercial and people will be like, you guys are promoting cigarettes. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Did you you see what we did? And then they hired a smoke, And this guy, so there was a guy that they hired to be the smoker. Yeah. So like- He looked completely out of place. I noticed that. I was like, what the (laughs) fuck
0: is that guy doing? Why are they smoking at the
1: top of this? It's the first
0: thing. Because it's celebrating, you know, because it's
1: some cool shit. But apparently- he's a guy who can make smoking look cool. Like, cause I, I just be like, cigarette. Right. <laughs> oh, right. oh, shit. Um, not that bad. Cause I did smoke a little bit in my life, but, um, but he, you know, he's a craggy looking, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like outdoor, you know, they're just like, who's the Marlboro man. Who's not. Like, who's yeah. that guy? Yeah, yeah, And I can't remember that dude's name, but um, he was, th- you know, that was his whole job is like, we're going to helicopter you to the top of this fucking iceberg for the smoking moment. You just have to be with us on this fucking, you know, 210 foot boat going from, sailing from Ushuaia across the Drake Passage to the Antarctic Peninsula. Dude. Every, just fucking seasick as fuck. Right. Like, everybody just horrible, like-
0: well, and that uh, the image that I saw which I thought was so fucking cool was you guys were at the top of whatever it was,
1: yeah. right? Iceberg then, in the middle of nowhere that the, if there's not a helicopter, you're not getting there. You're not in, getting there. Incredible because it's ocean below you and it's just such
0: a it's such a badass image of climbers going up and you're climbing this fucking ice wall out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's just
1: like so fucking crazy. Always insane, yes. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> I can't, I can't. It's like, and, I mean, there is, and there's kind of a shot at the, um, the, the the tail end of the, the, the thing that's on the, my old website. Right. Um, there is, like, the the in shot is of this helicopter, like, going off, and then it just kind of disappears into the sun, and it's completely overexposed, and it completely just, and, and, uh, I have had, like, been dropped off by helicopter in some places before. Right. Like, we did that the big rescue on top of McKinley, which, um, <laughs> you know, okay, I know I can get down from here. Right. Like, yeah, they dropped me off on the football field. It's I, like nineteen five or whatever it is. Now, right. I can't, maybe it's 1908. Um, it's the highest CH-47 landing, I think, to this day still, where they wow. actually let put people out. Um, and, but I know I can get down from here. Yeah. Like shit goes bad. I mean, I just walked in, you know, I go down the normal route. Yeah, it's right. climbing, or whatever, but I can get it down from here. Well, I can get dropped off on an iceberg <laughs> yeah. and the helicopter flies away, just like this is home. Dude, I hope to come back. <laughs> like cause, cause that one that um in the for the final smoking moment uh um in, in that particular TV thing, I mean, that was out in the channel. I mean, that thing was a long ways away. I mean, far enough away that I, I don't think um, we ever got a Zodiac from the mothership out to that thing. It was all helicopter access. Okay. And the other—and some of the more technical pieces that we did were on a big-ass iceberg that was in this thing they call the Iceberg Cemetery. There's a where the current um, pushes these icebergs into this bay, and there's a little water outlet at the end of it. So it's almost like a strainer— Got it. Like in, in, a, in yeah, a river yeah. where the water, the current pushes these these things there. And, the, and I think the, the this place is, um, I think they, they dropped, they had 175 meters of chain on the anchor for the boat and it didn't hit bottom. Holy shit. So it's deep and it's fucking black. black and that water is black. Black. I mean, you just go, okay, it's below freezing. It's black. This is Like (laughs) like if you go and and the the whole idea of like, and no one had, um, and Alex Lowe had done, had been on like a sailboat trip or something and climbed icebergs somewhere. And we got some, you know, some input from some scientists is like, you do know that icebergs will spontaneously explode into like millions and millions (laughs) of little pieces. (laughs) I'm like, no i didn't cool so i'm gonna be hitting it <laughs> or that one piece will break off yeah. and the whole thing will flip upside down <laughs> like that's the... all it takes it's like Clear. yeah because there's like a there's an equilibrium especially oh, if they're Jesus. floating um and they'll and a lot of times you see these things where there's like a it lo- there's an iceberg and it looks like a big arch right because the water has just been you know just the waves have been breaking against it breaking against it breaking against it, it forms an arch and uh um uh, one of those, you know, the directors like we're in the Zodiac out in the this Icebury Cemetery and they're like, that arch, man, that's super cool. I want to film you guys, you know, sending your, you know, driving your Zodiac beneath that. And we're like, anything for a dollar. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I hope we get away with it. But, and we did see when we came across one of those blown up icebergs, like, because right. when they, when they blow up and they become, you know, chunks that are, you know, they're small. Right. And, and then it'll just be like an oil slick in the middle of the linear channel or someplace like that, where like current kind of assembles all of those different chunks into this thing. And they're like, okay, here lies iceberg. Right. Um, and then we did watch one from distance, you know, big ice cliff kind of calve off the side and the whole thing just like, and so Mark Wilford and I were looking at that and we're like, what the, Fuck! Do we do <laughs> if that? Ha- okay, if it explodes, we're dead. If it flips, we're dead. Right. The only thing where we might end up in the water where we're still alive is if one of us, you know, like if we fall. Right. And then you're in the water uh, with, you know, we're still loo- using leashes on our ice tools. <laughs> right. We're still got you know a rope tied right. to a guy who's belaying us supposedly. All that shit has to get cut away. Yeah. Um, somehow we had a PFD, I like got a little golf ball outside of my jacket, but they didn't want like life preservers yes. in, invisible in 28 yeah. degree water. Yeah. Good luck in 28 degree.
0: water, Something yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Good, like how long Good you gonna, fucking luck.
1: I mean, but we had a really, I mean, the, the, safety team was those guys, you know, they're legit. A lot of like McDougal and Kevin Swigert, they're like serious whitewater kayakers. They've been in the water a lot. Um, And, you know, those guys had dry suits on and it was, you know, somebody, one of us goes in their job, you know, even if, you know, I had some stuff on underneath, it's just like, man, pull the fucking golf ball, get the knife out. Don't stab the PFD accidentally. (laughs) Try and cut the ice tools off, try and cut the rope off and then dog paddle for the last 45 seconds of your life, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. know. Try not to pass Um, out while they recover you. But this one day, like the the first day we actually got on iceberg climbing, there was, um, uh, I think Wilford was leading. And he gets out of the boat. We figured out this way where you like, you know, guys stand, we made these wooden platforms and I got you like use the little motor and like pin the nose of the Zodiac in that platform. Right against the iceberg and the waters you know the the, the zodiac is moving um at a, at a different rate than the iceberg is right right so you so it's kind of going up and so we had this idea where you'd like the it, it, the, the platform would rise you'd sink one ice tool without a leash on it leave it there ride the 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 the, the platform back down come back up grab that one that was in the place pull onto the iceberg with your feet, swing the next one in, and then the guy had reverse the boat away while feeding out slack with the, uh, in, in the rope so he didn't pull you off. What the fuck? So that if <laughs> <What? in certain laughs> five, so as you fall off at that point, you don't fucking puncture the Zodiac and then everybody, then everybody goes, dies. And yeah. everybody dies. Oh, this is fuck. great. Oh. <laughs> this, look, <Wow. laughs>
3: only would a non-FDA approved cigarette company from oh, South man. America
1: ever approve this oh no shit yeah 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 just go for it oh how many waivers have you signed i don't know like 30 pages of every day i have to (laughs) sign a new (laughs) waiver (laughs) or something um and then climb up put nice screw in something where the the guy could belay normally and then get the zodiac in and maybe a little bit off to the side oh
3: like where he could pull in slack because now you have a little bit of pro so yeah. yeah okay okay
1: and um and then on on the really big but that that first day, there was one point where the fucking ice tool hit the thing, and there's just like like this crack sounds, um, and and it like resonates, and you can hear it kind of deep, deep, deep in the iceberg. Ice makes a and, weird fucking sound when it does that. And and the Aww. thing is, there's like in the in the in most sort of glacial situations, you've got like all this ice moving yeah. in between these rock walls where it's like it's supported. Yeah, like in between the glaciers get down. There's They're supported from underneath and supported from the sides generally. Once they break off the shelf and they're in the ocean, there's nothing holding them together. So they're trying to fall apart. Like there's no gravity. There's no nothing. And you hear the – I heard heard this crack and I was just like (laughs) – God. fucking new underwear please <laughs> you know, just like there's it it was utterly fucking terrifying because it, then the whole thing of them breaking into pieces or yeah. cracking off and flipping over um became really legit and so we thought we realized like okay we need to film some of this stuff where we can swing where we can climb without having to hit got it and so Climbed up an easier side of the big face that we we did, and then um, Rolo went. You know, we lowered him over the side with a with a a, uh, a hilty drill with a big old bit on it. Right. And so all of the ice tool placements were drilled into the ice, so he could just like oh, just okay. hook gotcha. these holes right. gotcha. instead of like. okay (laughs) because like you're there you're just like this is the stupidest thing this is the stupidest thing this is why am i doing this (laughs) (laughs) like this is how i die (laughs) which one of these is going
2: to be the last one yeah yeah
1: yeah so that we did you know creatively solve some stuff it was still really really fucking terrifying and 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 a couple of one of the pictures that's on on the website is of this this uh little lagoon yeah in in an iceberg
0: where the and it's boats, got- You put the boats in there, Put the right? Zodiacs yeah. in there. And it's
1: like aqua- I mean, it's just yeah. beautiful blue water. It looks like a like a white sand beach in the Bahamas. Yeah. And, you know, and the safety diver was like, somebody dropped a radio battery right. in that little thing. And um, you can't leave them in the water. You know, right. you're below a certain parallel. There's like very strict rules about littering and what can- Got it. You know, go in the, you know, like if you, there's trash and you can recover it, you have to, or the fine is enormous. Got it. And so we had to send him down. I'm sure he was super stuck. Oh, like super who pumped. the fuck dropped super a battery
3: <laughs> in, go- in all the places? Like not, not oh the 600 foot God. deep, you know,
1: spot out here. We're going to drop it here. <sighs> We're going to oh drop it God. here. What's like 40 feet Thanks, deep dog. only. Thanks. And just like, oh man, that's an ice cream headache. Yeah, for I don't know, a week or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, that guy, that guy was, uh, he was a fucking stud too. That
3: shit, that shit sucks. Water that cold, diving and that stuff. How? That's miserable.
1: I, like. But it's a thing, right?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I've done like 10 hour dives in the winter Jeez. in the, uh, in the sound outside right. of Seattle. Super and like, warm. you get out of there and like, it took, it takes like 45 minutes to get feeling in your feet in a hot yeah. tub. Like so, you feel th- like your bones are cold, right? Like, oh, sure.
1: So, the sound in the, is that like more than 40, but less than 50 degrees, maybe? Yeah, yeah, m- yeah, maybe. It's yeah. like, it's like 50s. Okay. I used to dive up
0: there. It's pretty uh, cold. Uh, yeah, it's super cold. Like, I would drink a gallon of water. uncomfortable. Get in a seven mil wetsuit. Okay. And then, piss yeah. my, and then yeah. try to piss the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah that's about right. Yeah, I, I'd literally be driving out there, like, Chugging a gallon of water before I got in the water. <laughs> that, just oh, like trying to get in there and yeah, stay a little it's, bit warm. But it's special.
3: It's special. Yeah. yeah.
0: Your face is like, you can't like talk can't properly. Feel, no, no. So hand
3: signals. Your decision-making is fantastic.
0: Sure. But that, that, those, that piece, that, that, that piece of imagery with the that video, I was like, what in the fuck were you guys doing? I, which I'm so glad you explained that because I'm like, why is this only a minute, a minute and a half? <laughs> how is this why not a half how an hour? This is not a fucking documentary on what what you guys did? Because I'm like, why did you guys, it looks like, because not putting it into context, right? It looks yeah. like you guys are like, fuck it, let's go to Antarctica. And then you climb this big <laughs> massive wall so through this and then huge then logistics s- fucking nightmare to get down half, there yeah spent <laughs> a spare $100,000 yeah. well, climbed in, 75 <laughs> feet of
1: iceberg and went home it was awesome home. it was like if <laughs> we <laughs> smoked some cigarettes it fucking <laughs>
0: rolled out
3: like, in today's day and age what is that there would be somebody there filming a documentary
0: yeah it would be like you know some idiot would do it for Instagram now yeah. or something You know, right? they're, they're, be like stories or
3: something yeah. so, hey here I am on <laughs> top the iceberg my
1: cigarette but there may be a making of that HSI had that went away um, Paul Giroux was the director um, uh, and, and, the, and the main operator, uh, camera operator on that job. Um, Mikhail Gladys, was this, uh, this guy was a, uh, the other operator, and they worked together all the time. Oh. And um, it was uh, so. Two years later, they were doing a uh, uh, another TV commercial type thing, or I think it was a commercial. And they were up in the Yukon and uh rotor and the helicopter they were in clipped the sidewall of this glacier helicopter went sideways into a crevasse and everybody got killed wow and um and well, so happily you know happily that little cut um the the one that's on the website is the director's cut i don't think i ever right. got a final cinema version <laughs> with the logoing you know, the logoing at each right. end but um uh, uh paul was a super cool dude and um I mean, he he pushed talent really hard to do shit that he thought would look better than. Oh uh, no way! <laughs> I know, weird, huh? You don't weird. Say.
3: No, right? no, just like jump off the zodiac onto the iceberg. Yeah, yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, it looked great. Um, here, to get, to guess what? We'll hold. The, we'll put the camera in the water, and you jump over it, and land on the iceberg, and um, that shot is in actually. The thing, but Rolo told me about a a job they did in the desert at some point where he he got pushed really hard to do shit that he didn't think was safe. Um, and you just have to, you know, in that position as a climber, you just got to say, nah, 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 (laughs) all good. Um, but once so he sent me his director's cut, and with that music, and I think it's the opening music is from this, uh, it's a Daniel Lenoir piece from the Sling Blade soundtrack, really. And then the, and then the, uh, the, the, once the ice climbing starts, it's a pirated prodigy song right um which i thought was pretty cool but he sent me that and i was hoping to be able to get another job with him at some point because i was that, that was a well-paid gig mm-hmm. i mean bought my first leica with you know money from that job how long how long were you how long was that entire evolution it was like um i, I two and a half weeks on away from Ushuaia on the boat right whoa yeah
3: that's a lot of time. So it was a, yeah. It was a long time, and yeah. we were and
1: we were only ever on actual solid land for a, you know in on the Antarctic Peninsula for about three hours one day. The rest of it was either in the boat in the Zodiac or on a, on a or in a helicopter or on an iceberg. So everything was like, like there was a lot of drinking, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <exactly laughs> <about that. laughs> and it was a Russian research boat, um, the Professor Kromov, and um, with a you know. Full Russian, like a crew, yeah, and a uh, and to include the cook, right? Yeah. Vodka, plenty. So, yep. Vodka yeah, and, and cigarettes. and cigarettes. Argentine milk, sure. Kilmes, you know, Kilmes beer, <laughs> which was kind of my favorite. It Was like it's Q I L M E S or something. I think, but um yeah, we. We'd, before getting on the boat, Wilford and I went to the liquor store. We're just like, this, this feel. like I went on, when I got on the boat, saw the accommodations, I was like, this looks like a hard drinking job. <laughs> <laughs> well, then,
0: yeah. So I, I, I kind of went through a few things here. Okay. And so you talked, I was, I was watching an interview with you earlier and you're talking about kind of feeding the beast in a sense of, and I, I didn't quite get the first snippet of it and it sounded as if you're talking about, was it social media, what you're referencing in that, in that context? Probably.
1: Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, um, early on, I mean, especially with Jim, with the Jim Jones and, and yeah. early on, it was, you know, there was no Twitter page. There was yeah. no any of that stuff because I r- realized watching some friends do it who wanted to participate in that social media space is like once you open that beast's mouth. Right. It is never not hungry. Mm. Like you better have banked content, you know, long in advance for the time when you, you know, for those days that you're tired or nothing happens or whatever. Because once it's a weird thing, it gets used to, you know, accustomed to eating, you know, on a certain day or whatever. Like I need to put up episode 128 of our, you know, the nonprofit podcast yesterday but it might not happen, you know, Uh, you know, I mean, it certainly didn't, obviously didn't happen yesterday. Uh, I might edit it tonight. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and, and put it up, but there's like, but you guys always post on Monday. Like, yeah, haven't you seen the sign in our podcast studio? It says, you know, home of the nonprofit podcast recorded weekly, usually. (laughs) 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 um, uh, and, 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 and I don't honestly think now after enough, um, Time in relationship to that beast uh <clears throat> that I think the expectation of the beast being hungry is my expectation of its expectation, like I created that in my head sure. yeah in okay. in a way, like you right. don't have to play that game, you know right. it depends, and if people are are you know are cons- expected to be consistent, well, fuck them what is right you know well and you, why? You, you thought your your you know your essential job was. <laughs> consistent right. also. And, um, but it, so in the beginning we didn't have a Twitter page or whatever. And, and I, uh, um, and I started doing that, but I was, I would, I would bank shit, you know, cause right. you could, uh, using the, I was using a different client, not Twitter itself. And i I think it was called Hoot oh, yeah, um, at the time yeah. and I could program shit and I'd just right. like, I'd, I'd program, especially, um, when I was doing my personal page and I'd do a music video every once a week or whatever it right. was, I'd fucking program those things months in advance. Right, like I'd sit up one night, you know, just plug just them all, in. plug them all in, and and so with the gym, it was kind of the same thing. I'd, I'd plug in, and if we had additional stuff that was right. current, then do it then. But um, uh, uh, I, then there was a, ultimately a Facebook page for the gym, and I was yeah. just like, no, that, you, no, you just post it the one, then it goes to the others, and I'm like, well, they're Facebook. Twitter and Instagram are, are different things. You right. know that, right? Like you couldn't, you don't just put them all there. This one's good for this and this one's better for this. And yeah. Well, the, my question to this is like, <clears throat>
0: I've seen your, your, a lot of your work, you know, your, your books and your photographs and, you know, when you classify yourself as a climber, but really when, when I look at what you're doing, like you're 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 you seem like a artist, uh, very much of an artist. But you're putting these pieces of content together, whether it's through the form of you know the gym or whether it's through climbing. It seems like, but you have a you have a fucking a crazy person's eye when it comes to <laughs> detail. Like I would. I don't know how to like, if describe that. I, I don't know how to describe what you do, other than you'd have to go and go to your pages and look, and you know, get one of your books if you if you can actually get them. I mean, because I <laughs> most of the time, like I think it's hard to get times too. <laughs> oh, dude, just, but yeah, <laughs> like, what you do is, uh, I don't know. It, it just strikes me as a person that i I don't know it's it's a sociopathic commitment to perfection in a way that you don't see that very often in in any photograph or design or it it but it it kind of encompasses I think a lot of what you what you do even when you write you're, you're fairly intense in a lot of the writing and your essays and then you, the photographs that you're putting out your content the things that you're you know the routes that you put up what is that? I, I think what, I, what's going on there, and I, think, I don't know if you you don't you don't you probably I, might not even have an even a way to answer it. But
1: I don't. I'd like to hear Trevor trying to answer it <laughs> <No, laughs> no. first, or, or what? I, the I, I have a
3: situation that involved just the two of us that can at least sort of describe how focused that energy can be. So let's see. This was like two. Symposiums ago, maybe. And I knew that you were getting like a little fatigued with humans, but you also had a podcast to edit. And we had Aaron and I had been cooking all day. And I knew that you wanted to have some of that food. So I made a plate and, um, or we made a plate, like, oh, let's set some aside for Mark. He's, he's down there editing, like, because, you know, it has to get done. Period. Right. It has yeah. to get done now. Like, it right. doesn't matter if there's 20 people upstairs. This fucking has to happen right now. Right. Um, and so we're like, oh, we'll set this aside. And I, I think everybody else breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief when I'm like, I'll take it downstairs. Like, don't fucking worry about it. <laughs> 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 like, I think I sat here like visibly like, oh, okay, good. I'm not doing it. Yeah.
1: Don't go. <laughs> don't, there's a hungry beast. Don't go poke don't, the bear. Yeah. <laughs>
3: so I walked downstairs and opened the door and no words were spoken. I held up the plate of food and you looked at me and you just did, This and I was like, and you're like, yeah. And I just put it down and just sort of backed out of that room and closed the door. And I don't think I saw you for like two days later. And you were like, hey, no, that wasn't about you. Like, it was this and this and this. And I got it. But I think that kind of describes like that level of intensity is that had to happen. And that meant no people interrupting him, no food, nothing, period. Right. Like, no, I can't even pull. Word out of my mouth to direct it at you because that the energy is going here into this thing,
1: and if I it has
3: to get done right, and if I take a break, it's not going to get done the way it needs to get done because there's a train of thought that's going on.
1: And I mean, you understand this, I think, and Michael understands very well. Also, like
6: you could come in in that time, see what the
1: problem is, figure out a solution, come back, but without asking for an entry point for conversation. Right. Like, okay, I, I can help this process that's happening right now by doing X and then going away. Going away or, right. or, or whatever. And that, I mean, that kind of describes
6: yeah. life a little bit right now, but um,
1: I let, I overthink. Mm. And maybe over concentrate. Like, it, it, uh, I. Okay, the joking response to that is mm. I don't have three ex wives for no reason. <laughs> 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 I mean, which is. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people got have been sacrificed to my. To the pursuit condition, if I would, I mean, I, I can't. I'm not going to blame it because I take responsibility. I and mean, a lot, of, and, and often it's voluntary. It's like, look, right. I, I, I am doing this. This is the most important thing. No one cannot take that personally, mm-hmm. unless it's someone who's a right. you know a peer, a, a friend who has been around and seen it, and, and, and or maybe is obsessive in their own right. Yeah, and way. I think that's you know, like, or I could say obsessive yeah. in their own way and look at directly at you logan i don't know but i'm guessing if you're in here also you have a bit of that um and 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 those and those are people who can understand it and not be have a negative you know affected or you know but if somebody walks in and they're like hey i'm here to help like thank you for not helping it's like a please leave uh, uh
6: and and I, I'm not. Um, I, I like. You know, there was a Andrew Eldritch quote, something like,
1: "If I do it myself, then I can't blame anybody
4: mm.
1: when it's done wrong, right? Right? Except myself. And uh, you know, I like things done a certain way, and." or you know and I'm, I, I've been trying to you know delegate and actually we have a real, with the business now it's uh, I think that everybody recognizes we're, mm. we're old dudes now like right. or I am anyway like everybody recognizes what someone's attributes are and like right. oh you can do this better mm. or I can do this oh give it to him he'll stay up all night right until it's done you know um, and, and I don't know the if talking about you know photographs or a an, an artistic, eye. I don't know where that came from, no. but it, but it did, but it's there. It did. And I can, and, um, and I, I practice. Right. <laughs> I practice cause, um, I mean, I don't need any practice being an asshole, right. But, well, I mean, I'm not I, I, but I right. practice, I'm you know, the technical bits, you know, the, 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 the because it's,
6: it, it it's, um, I will get, get home from somewhere and, you know,
1: uh, friend said it recently, recently got, got back from a long trip and, you know, first things first, man, I go, it's, you know, just been out all day, driven four hours to get back or whatever. We get home, I go turn the computer, you know, A, I start charging camera batteries. That got spent. B, I go to, you know, the computer, turn it on. doesn't matter. It's midnight. It's one o'clock in the morning. Don't give a fuck. This stuff has to get moved off of this card onto another drive. You know, I'll leave right. the backup on the, i leave it on the card, but it's got go to go onto another drive right now mm. because I've, I've done like all of these safeguards need to be done. It's just, you know, in the mountains, like, hey, right. okay, we're going to stop here brew up for a while, whatever, everything is clipped in because if it gets dropped, it's fucking gone forever. Right. So all of the, that, that attention to detail is, you know, born of necessity mm. and then still a little bit of a weird, I mean, obsessive habit where, yeah, I, I can get away with it. You know, SD right. cards, man, they don't, they're they're not, as you know, they don't blow up like they used to. Right. Or with the frequency that they used to or, you know, whatever. Um, uh, but but, old habits, I guess. Mm-hmm. In a way. <laughs> well, it sounds and,
2: like, or I have to imagine at least part of that is because you know you've lived a lot of life and you've seen some people make some pretty huge sacrifices. Maybe because they haven't been that way, and that's just become so ingrained in you. And like,
1: same thing with combat. Like, I was just going to say, you come back, back mistakes. from doing something. You change out the battery, you don't charge the yeah. batteries, you just get new ones, probably, depending on the you know, yeah. level you're at. So you change out the batteries, you, even if the weapon wasn't fired, it mm-hmm. gets a, it gets, you know, it's a, gets a seeing to. Horse gun cowboy, mm-hmm.
2: take care of yourself last. You know, yeah. You yeah. Take care of the things that are going to keep you alive first. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Yeah. And, and, um, and then expect others to do the same. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, Get really fucking bummed out and disappointed and, and angry with them when they don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> super helpful for personal relationships. <laughs> yeah, it works out
0: fantastic. That's every what time, was <laughs> it's that's, really it's, good. It works it, out great. It's really kind of what i What I was getting at was like, you know, just personally when I look at things, and then you know, dealing with individual relationships and my wife or whomever it is. You know, I've had to really kind of sacrifice when I say that. Like I've had to just take a bat to that feeling and and just beat the living fucking dog shit out of it on a regular basis because it's so painful in the context of, oh, I need to get this done. I have a level of commitment here and it's been very difficult to balance and specifically with my own personality and I've had to really explore what the fuck is going on? And not by any stretch of the imagination am I comparing myself to you. I'm just saying like there's something there, right, where your pursuit of perfection and your ability to, to push past your physical and psychological thresholds to meet an expectation that's ultimately internally driven that has to, does it, do you understand that? Do you feel it? Does it? Is it like something that you're... I mean,
1: it is, I, 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 I do recognize... That it is internally like I set up the you know success slash failure condi- like and right. the expectations of myself in my own head, and it's like um especially now, like the situation Trevor's describing with that podcast, it's like it didn't need to get out that night, mm. you know or whatever, ideally because the world's not going to it's not like the fireworks factory is going to blow up if I don't get this (laughs) podcast out, you know, or some ridiculous thing. But it just, um, but I said, uh, I wish I had been able to take a bat to that. Mm. Um, because it's, uh, it's, you know, cost some things that, um, were ultimately worth more. Probably, you know, that, right. that, um, and then I go, uh, leopard spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit. I mean, and that could just right. be a cop out excuse. Yeah. Um, to keep doing what I do. But if it, but if the net result of that is that, um, uh, certain people who don't deserve to get
6: sacrificed yeah. do or are, or, um,
1: you know, my, happiness outside of task accomplishment right. is compromised or is the opposite of happiness, then maybe I would be better off with, you know, taking a bat to my own. Well,
0: because it's herd. interesting because as you're talking, I actually wrote these things down where it what sacrifices have you made in the pursuit of uh, your, your commitment to quality or your commitment to the mission
1: uh personal relationships strong yeah. one for sure um but then it's also
6: uh the chassis
1: mm, yeah <laughs> um let's see i i i call it a permanently mm. broken left angle, but it's not really broken. It's just that there was no a t f l for a long time and now the arthritis is so bad um and the and and the, the looseness that you know i wear, normally wear I didn't knew I was not going to be doing on my feet all day today, so I can wear Birkenstocks. But normally, it's a you know, there's a brace on that thing all the time. Three knee surgeries on my left knee, two shoulder rebuilds, hip replacement, right, um, that stuff like
6: that, uh, and then you know,
1: the mental stuff that I just by way of fulfilling or responding to those obsessions reinforces a particular psychological condition mm-hmm. that gives other people the Heisman right as a way of life. Yeah. You know, like don't get, you know, you can't get close <clears throat> and I'm definitely going to stiff arm and run away or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that, or you might get sacrificed to my, like I, these things are important to me. This isn't, as, this isn't important enough. Tick-tock, I'd, I'd
6: rather had this
1: discussion recently. I I think, um, that, you know, being happy hasn't been an objective ever. Right. Like getting shit done has been an objective, like accomplishing things, figuring out stuff to do that will make, and maybe that's ego. You know, maybe it makes me a better person. Maybe I do that. Maybe I think I need to be better vis-a-vis an audience or comparative with others. Um, I'd love to think it was purely internal, but I know that's not true. And um, and now, like the whole TikTok thing, I want to, you know, it's even more apparent mm-hmm.
2: Um, at a certain age, then you want to put happiness a little bit more on the higher on the priority list? Apparently not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess, I I, I guess it's my, my question is, is you have, you, you have seen and done things like experiences that, that people such as myself you know we i mean i'm envious of of a lot of the things that you've done and all in the context of like fuck dude what what has gone through those eyes and into that brain is something that cannot be replicated right you can't replicate obviously that's the true with anybody's experience it's but it's anybody, fucking yeah. insane what has happened as far as like even putting into context of of the ice climbing or Antarctica or any of these other things you're like fuck dude the guy has seen and done some things but giving amazing things no it's like a truly amazing wait then things. you did what and then you did what <laughs> the and fuck? then you did what yeah, yeah. but given your yeah. yourself like in this in the context of you know guys that are, are like you like what what type of what type of advice <laughs> would you have for them other than
1: um, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, like I would mm-hmm. love to. It's in my ebook, man. You can just get to buy it. What's the ebook? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, send it over, yeah, man. We'll post um, the link. It, 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 I, uh, I mean, the reintegration thing um, is,
6: you know, especially like if you spent
1: any amount of time, the military context mm. or whatever. And then, and then you, you are coming back from experiences that, you know, into a world made of people who cannot understand those experiences. Right. And at some point you'll get, you know, you just get tired of trying to explain yourself. Um, and, and then you end up, as, you know, end up associating only with your echo chamber right? in, in a way. And I think it's, was really important for me once I quit climbing you know and I tried to uh, I mean I tried a number of different different things one of the reasons that I went way down the competitive shooting road I mean for for me anyway was to you know because of the the focus it required mm-hmm. like I could completely zone out and meditate while while reloading right because I mean, I'd just be down in my little basement for right. you know four hours at a time. I'd just put some you know Hemi Sync or some kind of binaural beats type music on my headphones and just like, woo, you know. It, so there was that disassociative aspect of right. it. Um, but then in the moment when you know, like, okay, you're in the hole, you're on deck, you're up, man. Just the narrowing of focus and the and the increasing heart rate and stuff um, was something that that that. I I think you know I mean if concentration is a is exclusion by 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 definition <clears throat> and uh, so that was all, so that that laser focus you know for however long a fifteen second thirty second stage something like that um, and every and, and all of you know getting up into it um, it's also a disassociation in a, in a way but it's also didn't at that point I was looking for something to fill the void and not didn't you know, it wasn't, it was probably 15 years later when I realized that, okay, the void is necessary because I right. used to do a thing that created my identity. I no longer do the thing and now I have to find my way. And so that void can't be filled and we can, you know, try all different shit, but, you know, and um, the guys I was, you know, one of the guys that I was with this weekend um, who, you know. Is, Marine Corps, then Air Force, and then c- contracting for a bit. You know, a lot of times I think the contracting gig, it's not only, a, it, I mean, a certain era, it was a way to, you know, be paid for all the hours that you worked right. in the military, but didn't get paid for. Um, it, it seemed like right. there was a there was a, a period there. Um, it, but then when the money, you know, part of that kind of declined and dudes were happy to go to work for $200 a day yeah, um, or whatever, uh, um then the reason to go back to it was like because of the fellowship the camaraderie right. the stress the, the 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 that that piece and and um you know I have a lot of friends who who go climbing and i and I look at it and i i don't i don't look at it and go, man, you're just repeating yourself and that's silly mm-hmm. like it's not like i that's it, just my way i didn't you know i couldn't take that next step and so I stopped and moved on, and then when I got out of the training business, and you know, or certainly in, in the Hollywood context, it was like, look, I've learned everything I can from this, right? And if I go back, I mean, the last job I did, I realized like I'm o- only here for the paycheck, right? And
6: I don't want to be, I don't want to live like that, mm. <laughs> and,
1: and because it's not worth it. Like I, I can go be broke and learning, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? You know, or this, or or working on something that will eventually provide enough of a living that I'll get back all of the, you know, investment. Um, I mean, knock yep. on wood for that one. Right. But um, uh, I I um, I I don't know. For me, like the sense, like, I want to keep
6: learning. I want to keep making things and keep accomplishing. And
1: there's a there there is a a uh you know I think satisfaction can masquerade pretty well as happiness sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um sure. And uh
6: and I th- yeah.
1: But the pursuit of the actual instate of like, I just wanna go like Lay on the, you know, I don't know what would, what's a happy thing that makes people happy. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I drove, you know, 12 hours to go to do two day shooting course and hang out with some cool guys. And then another 13 hours or whatever on the way back yesterday. Yeah. Um, it, and like, was I, and I was, was I happy up there? Yeah. There was a couple of times when everything came together on a stage or, you know, course of fire or whatever. And I actually solved the problem appropriately or Something where I was, is that happiness or is that satisfaction? Shit, I don't know. Right. You know, or staying up late, drinking beer with like, you know, and having a conversation with some guy that, you know, with whom there's overlap and we have ideas about art and action and, and the philosophy of both. Um, is that is that learning or is that happiness?
6: Right. Or is it both? And, um, and that's – uh
1: yeah, I want to get better with this. I want to get better. I, I want to improve at certain things, and if other things go away because of that for a little bit, I mean, I was joking recently, a couple of months ago, somebody's asking me, "Hey, you've been shooting any pictures?" And then I'm like, "I said no, I've been shooting guns, man." <laughs> and and but the if obsessive part of me wanting to do it as well as I can is that I can't do both. Well, I think to the to the at the level I want.
0: Well, yes. I think that was kind of where I, I wanted to head was, you know, this to be good at, at anything, you have to be obsessive, right? And there are sacrifices that have to be made. I think yep. you you are whether you you have no idea right whether you know this or not, but you had such a profound impact on my adult life. You you don't know it, but you did because here's these you know this this guy out there, Mark Twight, was writing and and writing books and doing this thing and and you were from the outside, it was like here's this guy that's living way outside that the template for American happiness. And I'm not going to buy into that narrative. I don't have to buy into this narrative, yeah. right? I don't have to buy into, okay, I'm going to go to high school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go work for a bank. I'm going to buy a Toyota Corolla. I'm going to get fleeted, pleated front dockers. I'm going to backslap my <laughs> fucking fraternity brothers on the weekends. And that sounds so fucking stupid and bullshit to me <laughs> that I can't buy into it, man. Like yeah. there's <laughs> no way I can do that. It, it's just so painful. And it's fucking I don't fucking, want that Cheetos. Life. I don't want it, man. Like yeah. but here, Here's you, right? And you're out there and you're posting these fucking gnarly epic adventures that are just like, fuck it, let's send it, man, in a way that's this template, right? And that to me is like, guys like me, at least, you know, back in the day, I was looking at that going, fuck yeah, there's somebody out there.
3: Fucking rad! There's <laughs> there's somebody out there. There's, there's a lot of guys. Because like, there's fuck like, fuck yeah!
0: There's so many people that just go step by step by step,
1: well, and I'm like, but with and I think with and unconsciously, right? right and just yeah. like the expectations get put on people early, and to to the to the, to the degree that they don't even recognize that it happened. Like, yeah, hey, you got socially engineered to be that bank teller, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, and a pair of pleated dockers in the right situation, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, or or you know, you <laughs> not you, bad, you know. Like <laughs> you get bought into a
0: subculture of people, a tribe, for instance, and yeah. then the yeah. tribe says, "Well," and you you know it as well as as well as I do. We know those people out there that are like climbers, right? Because they've got the right stickers on the right car and the right. They're wearing, you know, prana and fucking. They got a they. They, they look really good. They have all the goodies. But they haven't put their hand on a piece of rock other than, you know, the the Heideki rock in front of their fucking door in two
1: years. But they looked the part, yeah. right? They, they're they trying to fall into that tribe. Or or they were in that tribe. Right. Got to, you know, decided that the work thing was more, you know, whatever. Yeah. Life circumstances took them away from mm-hmm. it. But because it was their identity, they try to preserve that. And they realize like, oh, there's a difference. Now I'm bank guy. Right. I'm doctor's guy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm family and Toyota Corolla, you know, whatever. Okay. So I'm that guy, but, but I, I I would still like to see myself as this other guy so that I can deal with who I
4: have to to look, who I've chose to be. Yeah. Right.
1: Or maybe it's not even a choice who I, who, um, I mean, I guess it's all a choice. Yeah. At some point. But I think a lot of times the, you know, if if you were a climber guy, let's say yeah. before, you know, casually, you know, in, in what sense it's like it's not I didn't make a positive, an affirmative choice to become bank guy. Mm-hmm. I think I made a a a like like multiple lateral steps that
3: got you to this other road.
1: Or it was I need to this, you know, climber guy has no income. Yeah. Right. I yeah. made an affirmative choice to become income, you know, to be income guy right. in order to support this other, these other, you know, fulfill other expectations or things. And I was hearing somebody this weekend talking and he's just like, yeah, I can't, can't do, you know, I had to, uh, had to start doing this job because, uh, I, my girlfriend and I, we made a baby. Yeah. You know, and it was, a, it was an accidental thing. He had seen right. his life going in a different direction and was like, well, this is what I'm committed to now and so i think sometimes stuff happens to us mm-hmm. that uh um that causes those decisions to be made uh but but still i it, yeah i mean I, it's, it, it, it's easy to look at you know the 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 climber as larper kind of you know that that there're the or whatever climbers yeah that's great it's <laughs> fucking great yeah because they're they're yeah. in the they're in the whole you there's know a,
3: there's a lot of larpers in a lot of communities in a lot of they're, communities yeah, yeah.
1: But it's easy to look at them and denigrate them, but I'm just like, dude, if that's what you need to do to keep, be able to keep doing this sure. to provide for the wife and children mm-hmm. to whom you made a commitment. Right. Like mean, I I'm I'm old enough now that I can like six days out of seven, I'm not gonna mock you or you know, yeah. <laughs> you know say, but on say the seventh stupid. day yeah. he but shall mock. Seventh day I, well, no. I shall mock. Exactly. <laughs> you know,
0: but... I I think for me, I think for people and they need to hear it in the context of it's, you know, you do have to be committed to something outside in a way that when I say that it's it's to have a maniacal focus over whether it's like, hey man, maybe, maybe you want to be a banker. There's nothing wrong with that. Fucking rad. Go for it. It's when people decide, and I saw it in my previous profession all the time, I used to have this joke about guys that joined the CIA because there's like segments of it where it's like, man, you, you got pushed down too much when you were a fucking kid or something, right? Because the acronym and the image means way more to you than actually the mission. Like, so whether you're committed to actually want to do this, it's like, I didn't, I didn't become a green beret for the headgear i came Green beret so i could like train indage and live in the fucking middle of wherever and try to go you know fuck people up like that's
1: what i wanted to do over, yeah. you know and you wanted to do it I, rather than a lot of people i think when they get they, they want to have done it correct and, and they want to say they, they do it,
3: it oh, right. Right. So, whether yeah. or not they're doing the task they they, they want to be able to, to, put to tell the a person on the back of their yeah.
1: car Right. Or yeah. to, when somebody asks, you know, what do you do? And they go, oh, I work for the CIA. Yeah. And as you pointed out, there's a lot of jobs there. You know, I might be a janitor in that building, yeah. but I still work for the CIA. And so you leave it hanging and it's like, you'd I'd see it in the climbing community, especially with what I would consider the tourist climbers who, you know, would, uh, let's just, we'll just use the big E as, you know, like right. the guys who climbed Everest mm-hmm. and, you know, they Tell somebody by oh, they, they they omit the fact that they were on a guided trip, right? Where you know the camps were put in place for them, the fixed ropes were put in place for them. Their extra oxygen bottles were carried for them, right? Um, And and you know nobody ever says, you know, the, it freely admits without being qu- point blank question, did you use oxygen? Right. No one who did ever said, ever admits to it because they all fucking know it's cheating. Right. So. Like, it's like, yeah, I climbed Everest and then leave it hanging, like the circumstances of that ascent yeah. hanging and allow the the listener to put two and two or two and 12 right. together, you know, whatever it is you're trying to get them to think. Um, and I would imagine it's the same, you know, it's similar in other communities and, and not that, you know, okay, the, in fact, there was a guide and the ropes and the camps and the this and the that, you know, was all in place. You still had to put one foot in front of the other, but it's... But passing it off, try, attempting to pass it off as the same thing as, mm. you know, what uh, my two friends Esteban and Corey tried to do last year was climb a new route on the north side of Everest, you know, no oxygen, trying to do what Barry and I had, had tried to do, you know, a bunch bunch of years ago there, just two dudes on this unknown terrain and no support. And like, go. you know, that's a different thing than what was, yeah. what's going on you know, not far away. Right. You might even be sharing the same base camp or same advanced base camp where, like, you know, the doctor who has climbed Mount Rainier and Mount McKinley turns up, you know, on the guided trip where, you know, you've been done the whole, you know, apprentice, journeyman, maybe approaching mastery kind of thing to get to the same spot. Right. And have the same theater in terms of, like, where this is all going to play out but in completely different ways and they're, and they're super different and, but it's also really hard to get somebody like Corey to say how rad what those guys tried to do was because guys who are legit don't, yeah, don't have to say it. That's (laughs) so
0: interesting, man. Like, because it's, you see this in different, people, in in all walks of life, in all of these different subcultures and different skills and sports, right? So you see it across the board. For instance, you know, we talk about it a lot where, you know, a guided hunt, for instance, or a trophy hunt. Right. It's much different if you're trying to go out and hunt on your own and it's not on a, you know, high fence ranch and you don't have a rifle and you're taking away all your tools and you're actually learning how to hunt versus... Uh, you know, just going out and fucking shooting something from a mile away—that's like chained to a fence. Yeah, that what where? Wait, and what, I guess that's a thing. Well, no, it's yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> elaborate. I, I'm <laughs> like I exaggerating. Like minor, wow. Dramatization. I mean, you know what I mean? In the yeah. sense of like, man. It, <clears throat> yeah. I tr- in that sense, the pursuit of the skill, right? Having the experience and the pursuit of the skill—those things are always way more for me, they're they're way more interesting, right? It's like, what, I can really do this. I can do this shit. Like, having that versus being able to say, well, well, I ran this river, or I fucking posted this route, or whatever. It's like, well, but you didn't tell me that the guy put you on his back and carried you up the fucking thing. You know, that's great that you killed a mountain goat in the middle of wherever, and it cost you $250,000. You walked off your helicopter 75 yards away and shot it and fucking got back on. Like, that's that's cool, I guess. Like, yeah, you know, you I'm so. trying. If you say so, I'm trying, yeah. you know. So that's the conversation where, you know, the sacrifices that have to be made in order to be good or have this structured discipline and commitment to really the, the self, right? So what is yeah. your perceived line or expectation? And I think... This is so so interesting because you're that example for so many guys that are like Mark Twight puts the line he he posts the the line for perfection. That's where he's posting Ooh. that shit. So it's like, oh shit, okay, don't, well there's a, now. There. <laughs> there's a guy out there. There's a guy out there doing it. Again, I think that that's uh well one it's fascinating, right? It's fascinating to me, but it's like for people out there they they have to be emboldened and empowered by this by these by people that are like you that are out there going. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna post this. I'm just gonna show you guys what it's like to actually go out and fucking live live life without a rope, <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> like live it without a rope. But I, and I and, and that's you know feasible, accessible, and appropriate at a certain period of one's life, right? Um, but like you know got to get out of this Peter Pan thing at some point, you know, in a way. And I'm not saying that I that I had that necessarily, like I don't want to grow up kind of thing, but it's, um, but the, uh, like if I've learned anything, it has been in the sort of
6: from the
1: reinventions that I've gone through that if my career first career was as a climber. Right. Um, and then, you know, during that, I I sort of I learned a little bit about writing and and shooting photographs, and
6: um, I did a little bit of that. Simultaneous with climbing, um,
1: but then the fitness thing became you know like and and a lot of that started with the military. Is that I you know I started out doing cold weather, high altitude stuff with right. different units, and then they realized like oh he knows a little bit about fitness and he does this thing he's got this gym and then it morphed into the fitness thing and then um and so i'd say that that's a second you know as a as a fitness trainer or fitness trainer philosopher or something i don't know it was another hat and then now i don't maybe it's a publisher i don't know what what yeah. i what we do now but we're making you know books and stuff and and uh um I, like that necessity is that, that i mean i think it's a necessity because otherwise we it's super easy to stagnate right and not learn anymore and when i stopped doing like i said the the these hollywood jobs i mean the last um the last one that i did was you know with it was the justice league movie and I had jason on on that um and i had another 35 amazon right women you know and to be a dude in that space and to figure out how to train women and groups of women and not have a fucking me too moment and mm-hmm. like not misuse power and to and and to learn how to 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 motivate and right and, and and guide and shepherd and provide a safety net and make it a like like well, if I can do this, I'm pretty much done here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Le- learning got know, it in a way or. You take 40 pounds off of a person or you add right. 20, you know, it's like, it, it's like all of those things. Like, I think I know how to do this and everything, if I stay in this space, everything will be a variation on the same thing. And I need, yeah. and I, and I want to try some, something
0: else. So so the next thing is it, for you is, are you concentrating most of your effort on the publishing or photography combination of things like
1: yeah. I mean with the with the nonprofit business um and then spell that out. It's not it's not non yeah. profit. It's, nonprofit. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. So it's it's uh N O N P R O P H E T. Got it. And nonprofit yeah. dot media is the is the website where that stuff. I mean we'd have a a gym in our space. Right. And there's physical training that goes on there, but that's mostly Michael and Aaron and Keegan who <laughs> do that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I walk through the gym, notice physical training occurring. <laughs> what are you talking about? I saw you do a deadlift. I've done two this year. <laughs> <laughs> two, two reps. One of them one-handed, by the way. Uh, um, <laughs> but in the in the back, it's, you know, zines and um we've made a couple of books. I'm working on another one right now. Um there'll be another one after like I I think the one that I'm working on right now might be the 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 not the last one internally, but the last current one. Right, and then I have a zine I want to do for, um, for somebody else who's made a bunch of electronic kind of stuff, and I'm like, you need to have physical copies to hand out. And I yeah. want to do that. I want there to be a a, a book that um, might involve Trevor and Aaron and uh, and to, to make oh, yeah. that thing possible cool. to yeah. make that thing a possibility, right? It's like, hey, let us do the the, the layout, the processing, you right. know, it, 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 the whole, That whole part of it, put it out there, and maybe it's on a bigger scale because maybe there's some other commercial partners yeah. who come in to help do it. But to to um, I, I and if we can if we can do that, then then there's a lot like that can happen in that in that space,
6: sort of aesthetically
1: keep running into people the more i move around i'm just like holy shit this <laughs> like this kid marcus who did this um, i don't know what 176 does exactly uh but he showed me a like like a, a really cool video he put together and it's a it was it ended up being a multiple instagram stories um and it might it might live somewhere right you know as a whole but it was people moving through a shoot house. And it was just their feet. Right. And the dance that that is of people oh, who yeah. have rehearsed that That's movement cool. and he found the That's right piece cool. of music. And it's yeah. like, I mean, it triggered, and it was, it triggered like a really strong kind of emotional feeling the marriage right. of the music and the way that he shot it and that right. kind of thing. I thought, wow, that is, that it's is a, cool a way to look at it. It's, that. it's yeah. a really cool way to look at it. Yeah. Um, because it's the part that nobody, that obviously is critical to the outcome.
3: Right. And it's the part that nobody, nobody who, sees. who hasn't done it understands yeah, that it's like it's hyper hyper critical yeah and people that haven't been in that space don't know yeah so it's cool to make that amazing to see it and
1: so the more i see you know run across guys who are making cool stuff or um ivan the the kit badger guy he's like yeah we're doing a cross-country bus tour and we're gonna have range it range days he's organized them in different places got some people supporting so like because there's probably people around who would love to shoot some cool like it. You wanna shoot a fucking M4 pattern five seven with a cool little can on the front of it? You know, you might be able to show awesome. up. You buy the ammo, you're gonna show up. Um, so I think I think he said September 11th down in price is the one that is the closest oh, year. Price is um, pretty rad that he's yeah. going that he's gonna do. And but he's starting in Oregon and uh and and got this bus, and he's gonna pull some people on along the way and do shoot some video and probably do some podcasts. And I'm like, that's fucking rad. Yeah, <laughs> to <laughs> go do a neat thing like that and um and the more i i realize that there are people out there doing stuff like that um the more i think we're on a track where we could maybe help f- facilitate especially in the analog yeah. sort of space of printing and, right. and uh, having events or whatever
0: we're where so if people want to buy your book where where do they find where do they go to get that? um
1: the the only so <laughs> I mean, extreme alpinism and yeah. Kiss or Kill—they're right. on Amazon. They're yeah. old. Yeah. Uh, we do sell you know, copies of Kiss or Kill on the Nonprofit yeah. media website. So, or N O N P R O P H E T dot and there's a that's you can find the podcast there too. Um, but so the big picture book that I did that um, yeah the uh, so that's a year and a half ago Refuge um, is there. There's like only a few hardbacks left. Right. Soft covers we've got a bunch. Um, oh, so you the, Still have some, yeah. Great, the soft covers because we we yeah. we couldn't re. I couldn't afford to reprint hardcovers because mm. it takes. You know, if you for us, it seems like it, Whatever we print, it takes three hundred copies to cover the print costs. Yep. Um, yeah, reprinting the hard and it would be. It would take a while to sell. It's 300 a beautiful of them. book. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's incredible. Book. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. book. Yeah, yep. there's a. Um, there's a lot of perfectionism that went into the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that mother you, yeah, you, flip I your, mean, you
0: flip through that book I remember the mailroom QC if you've process. listened to this podcast and then when, you've, when you if you go get that book and you flip through that book everything fucking makes sense you're like okay I yep. get it now never mind I see, okay, I, see why. I see it yeah I, it, it's, it, it's
1: pretty incredible and the, and the process is
3: <laughs> fun yeah it's, I mean it was even stuff on the back end like Mailing them. I mean, I don't know. I'm, oh, you I must yeah. have mailed two or three dozen of them. Right. And just packaging them. Yeah. It was like, this is how okay. So the, the foam's going to go like this. And we're going to put a sticker facing this direction. And you need to check to make sure there's nothing right. like everything had to be fucking perfect. Cause it did. Because yeah. it did. Well, yeah. Cause it did. And they were. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The initial piece, especially for the, Cause we were asking, I mean, the, the hardback is $119. Yeah. And it was 200 something for the special edition with the slipcase, and man, that's gotta, that's gotta show up in the right way. Yeah. You know, the person who opens that package they take that envelope off the outside and there's a box and that's stuck down with a sticker and open up and the foam is Just right. protected it perfectly and it's wrapped in tissue paper and you know like it has to it has to be that way or it has to yeah um and, and otherwise yeah it shows up in a priority mail envelope or something the corner's bent because you didn't have the, the the care or the time or whatever to look after this thing it means you didn't care it means i didn't care about it as a as an artist and so it needs to arrive in a, well, like Martin, a certain way Thank you so much, man. I
0: really appreciate you coming out. Like this has been a fucking great podcast. I'm uh,
1: fucking so stoked. It's a seriously. great podcast. Like I really appreciate it. So well, I appreciate you reaching, you know, making you know, like making this happen, but also, um, seeking out some other great people who've been on this, like different drives. Um, you know, I did my, before we had Jack car on hours yeah, yeah. you know I, I listened to him here was, oh, you know, oh uh, yeah and i And yeah, yeah. rogan because yeah you got to do the research and seeing right. kyle lamb who was in front of me as a student at some point but yeah, yeah. now <laughs> i'm total on the receiving <laughs> yeah, he, end of all the knowledge that he's putting he's, out he's great yeah. he is um a, a, yeah. a really solid human being and that was a fun one to listen to and he's so, he's
0: a crazy person like good crazy right good crazy. like i i yeah.
1: love like i love saying
0: that like you're crazy mm-hmm. man i love it I I'm like, I I'm always call my kids crazy. I'm like, I'm not crazy. I'm like, no, no, crazy's good. Like, yeah. crazy's good. Just keep it brad a little. Please don't be normal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this won't be much fun if you're yeah. normal, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the kids just like, go ahead and wear a helmet if you have to. Yeah. Just don't be lame. Just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be like All
0: right, this yeah. is free range American. Thank you very much, guys.